It's your old friends of Monday Madness, and welcome to today's episode of the That Was Liquid Football Podcast. Woo! Or more so solid fo- uh, football podcast, because Neil is still currently eating his dinner here, where um, we caught him <laughs> at the right time during his dad, dad hours. Uh, I'll, be, so- I'll be finished now. I've literally only like four or five chips and some curry sauce left. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's okay. That's enough for me to do the intro. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so, it's myself and Neil joining you tonight uh, for this podcast, Burkwood, again, incognito tonight. Um, apparently it was something to do with uh, taking a shot every time Medina scored a goal and apparently she's getting her stomach pumped I don't know <laughs> yeah that's but, uh, that's not a drinking game you want uh, no that, that, it, it did sound like a good idea at the time and I'm, I'm glad that she was proven wrong in that regard there's no but, way um, that sounded like a good idea <laughs> well not good for your liver anyway well I mean if you do listen to Gary Lineker Neil you'll know that all of those goal, goals don't even count so <laughs> yes so you know it's a, it swings and roundabouts really but nevertheless, uh, folks, we are back for another podcast. Um, and uh, in case you haven't noticed, it has been a bit of an interlull going on at the moment with, with the international football. We will be talking a bit about it at the end of the show. But before we do, Neil, um, I thought we were going to do what most podcasts do nowadays and forget about football altogether and talk about all the shiny things all the clubs collected over the year um, in our transfer window roundup. Yes, are you excited? I am very excited uh, to talk about all the nice things clubs that now have. Yes, exactly. Um, we, ha- we have to celebrate the fact that they are just like grotesquely <laughs> overinflated uh, <laughs> vanity projects, all this sort of stuff. But, um, but yes, we, we're go- we, did, we did this last year as well. So it's essentially going down to the, uh, the list of Premier League clubs, the ones that we know and we don't remember. And uh, seeing what kind of business they've done and, and give them a grade, simple as. So uh, this year, I'd like to start off uh, with the promoted teams because uh, I want us to ramp up to the big teams. You know, I want us to, to leave our hot takes for them. Um, so uh, <laughs> we're not doing that alphabetically. Uh, no, because uh, <laughs> apparently, like all the W clubs just get no love at that point. You know, they I just don't. Them, yeah. They just don't. Like, you know. Two hours into the podcast, and we're talking about wolves. It's just not the right headspace for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we'll start off with Brentford. Um, so, departures wise, they got rid of a lot of their um, kind of squad players, like um, Henrik Dalsgaard, off to their uh, parent uh, or their, their sister club, Michelin. Uh, Emmy Marcondes, was a bit of a surprise, went to went back to, went to Bournemouth. And then a few other like kind of squad players, like Duke, Duke Daniels, uh, Deborah Shoglu, they're all kind of loans and free transfers. They did bring in some pretty decent um, recruits for the Premier League campaign. Um, I suppose the biggest one from this is a club was Frank Onyega, who's uh, obviously number six uh, for a hefty amount of money. Uh, Johan Wiese, a winger from Lorient, and uh, Christoph Eyer from Celtic, which is probably their biggest uh, deal. And just actually yesterday, they signed uh, Zanke, who was formerly of uh, Huddersfield. Um, Yeah, so he he came in on a free deal. They also so, swagged um, Daniel Okiyogoge. Uh, I'm mispronouncing that definitely because I've got a chip yes. in my mouth. Um, he turned down a fresh contract at Arsenal. To he did, he? Yes. yes. I'd say he probably slots into the B team that they have there. So and then he can uh, he can make this step up then if he can uh, and get himself noticed around all the Danish players that they have. But um, so, <laughs> so like I said, like it's, it's, um, it, Brentford, I think, obviously had a very good team going in anyway. And I think you can kind of tell from the signings that they do have a bit of a profile, like kind of getting those like 23, 24-year-olds, shine them up, maybe sell them on to a bigger club. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not overly critical of Brentford because, um, like I said, I think they had a very good outfit at the, at the time. 
I would say, though, they're a little bit slight on, at right back. You know, Dalsgaard is like a Danish international and kind of letting him go was a bit of a strange move and not replacing him. Um, or maybe they have, and, and we, we just haven't noticed yet. But um, uh, I, I welcome your thoughts, Neil, but I was going to give yeah, you a Yeah, no, I thought it was a pretty tidy, smart window as per pretty much Brentford. I mean, like that's, if you want to describe them using any adjectives, it's tidy and smart. Mm, um, I was quite surprised by how early they got a lot of their business done. Yeah. They got a lot of assignments. I'm like, they did make a signing just the other day, but that's that that that's just the one. Everything yeah. was done pretty much almost right to start of the window opening. So yeah, no, I can't really I can't really fault them now for anything. I mean, as we said, they had a good team going in, just needed to strengthen it, give a bit of depth. Maybe mm. lacking a bit right back, but we'll see. They might plug that hole or Upgrade. They do play the back three, so they do. They would probably get away with it by having a midfielder in there. I think yeah, they, they, they only play Canos there, so yeah. yeah, they might get away with it. But um, I was going to give them a, a C plus. I don't know um how. how what would yeah, you I'd cover it in around that C plus B minus type of thing. You know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, fairly yeah. limited in what they can do because they are Brentford. But um, it, yeah. it's with an eye on selling players off is going to be something that's going to happen in their future something that they want to happen in their future. Mm. So they, they're preparing for that. It's good, good business. It is. It is, definitely. And so, uh, yeah, exactly. And in fairness, like, there's only so many Danish players around anyways. So you can't find them all. <laughs> can't make you look weird, you know. Um, but uh, we'll move on then to Watford, who, uh, who inexplicably uh, did get higher in the championship table last year. So we could talk about them next. Um, and this will be great for Burke by watching this, hearing this back now, because she'll know now at least several players who <laughs> play for Watford now. So um, departures-wise, I suppose the biggest one is Will Hughes. Um, his contract was running up, and he wasn't resigning, so they sold him off to Crystal Palace, who we'll talk about later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig Dawson didn't come back. He stayed at West Ham and uh, and wants to be part of the uh, Moyes' European adventure, which I presume is like Phileas's Fogs um, around the world in 80 days. <laughs> Um, well, speaking and, of relics, they let go of uh, top rope Troy. Yes, who's uh, who's debuting for Dar- for Birmingham at the moment against Derby. So um, he's he's joined the league of the banter clubs, which is uh, if anything a natural conclusion to his career. Um, I think it's I think it's fair to say. I've been put um, out last year, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, there's been a, like a lot of loan deals for all the kind of players they can't sign yet because of third party ownerships and work permits. So I'm not going through all of them, but I think the greatest offence that they have done in this window, Neil, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this, is by selling their striker, Isaac Success, to Udinese. Um, <laughs> a crime against fully named footballers. Um, I think it's fair. I think you can agree on that with me. Um, and Nathan Chalaber going to uh, Fulham on a free deal as well is a bit of a shocker as well, because he was actually quite a good player for them um, last time they were in the Premier League. So a bit of a surprise there. Uh, in terms of uh, arrivals, I suppose the uh, they've they bought a lot of experience in uh, two from Spurs actually. Uh, Danny Rose on a free deal and Vincent uh, Sissoko uh, for a nominal fee as well. And um, got a few like former uh, players in like uh, Josh King. He was a free move from Everton, um, and uh, then some newcomers like Emmanuel Dennis who hit the ground running against Villa, and uh, then some uh, a deal for Imran Lusa who's a, a number eight from uh, Nantes for about ten million as well. So again, they have a lot of like um, kind of blue chip players like Quadro Ba, who's a uh, who's been very well um, thought of uh, from Rochdale, and Ashley Fletcher from uh, from Middlesbrough. So a lot of squad depth. But again, the problem with like Watford is that you never really know where they are with because they have so many players, and you just a lot of them are kind of unknowns, and 
not necessarily Premier League standard, but at least they have signed the likes of Rose and Suzuka to kind of give you that experience. Sort of, yeah. But um, I think their biggest kind of um, signing for, mm. outside of the, actually not not outside of it, including Suzuka, is actually managing to retain Sar. Yeah, that's the biggest one for me. You know, because um, it's just looking it up there. Only Sar was the only one to hit double figures for goals in the last yes. season. You know, so. I'd give Watford a solid C, maybe a mm. C minus. Actually, I'd go down to C minus because don't see where there's goals in this team. Like they've <laughs> they've replenished the midfield, they've bolstered yeah. that. Uh, the defense didn't really need a whole lot of work. They've signed mm. in what? How many new players did they get in twelve? Oh, it's, it's 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 very hard to tell with them to be fair because they they sign them and then loan them back out. Like so. got about eleven or twelve new arrivals. Mm. Um. And I just, I look at him and I was like, no, like, I think mean, unless Dennis turns into a goal machine, because mm. um, he scored one, hasn't he? He already scored he, one, yeah. He scored in his debut against Villa, yeah. Yeah. So, so. so like, but yeah, but they've gone goalless in the last two games, losing both of them 1-0. So they need goals. Uh, C- minus because I don't see where they're coming from in that team. Yeah, no, I, I, I had C- minus on my page as well, so... um. I, I think I, I kind of agree with you in a sense where they did very well to retain Sar, but like, um, like I think they'll find it very hard to replace Hughes. I think he was a he was a kind of their star turn in the team, and uh, and the fact that he wasn't able to they weren't able to tie him down to a bigger deal just kind of was a a bit of an oversight on their side. But I suppose if he wanted out, he wanted out. Um, next up then on my list is uh, Norwich, champions of the championship last year. And uh, rightfully got pillaged by Aston Villa, um, who obviously sold their st- who signed their star man uh, Emi Buendia for a rate load of money, um, thirty eight million euro to be precise. Um, again, they've also done this kind of thing where they've kind of let go of a lot of their kind of like uh, squad players from the last time they were in the Premier League, like Steverman, Leitner, Vrancic, Tribal, all gone. Um, Onel Hernandez gone to Borrow as well to join the uh, the revolution from Neil Warnock, and um, so. They've done. They, revolution. We laugh now, but wait until Middlesbrough back in the Premier League with that fucking. With, with I'll still be fucking. I'll still be fucking laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. To be fair, uh, and yeah, they just again a lot of those kind of like uh, releases as well. In terms of arrivals, I do think Norwich have done a lot better this time around than um, than last time during the Premier League. Uh, in terms of in terms of the actually like the players that got in, um, I think Milo Rashica is probably going to serve to be the best one. Because uh, again, Kosovo international uh, plays right wing, can also play number ten. Uh, very good up front, um, and a lot of people are, are optimistic about Christos Tizolas as well, um, who's a who's a left winger from from Powick. Uh, again, a bit of a bargain from that sense because the Greek league is not in a in a great state at the moment. But uh, they also signed uh, Janoulis from uh, on a permanent deal from Powick, who was on loan there last season, and uh, did great did great for them as a left back. Uh, was a great uh, replacement for uh, for Jamal Lewis. Uh, and again, a few other signings like Josh Sargent, uh, Ozan Kabak, who's formerly at Liverpool, is now uh, playing for Norwich uh, this season. And two really good loan signings of Brandon Williams and Billy Gilmore. So I do still think Norwich are going down, but I think for in terms of their business, they're actually quite good because um, they kind of needed to, really. I don't see that. Um, I think they're heavily dependent on how well their loan players played. They've got skip in, didn't they? Uh, they had Skip. He's got. He's gone back to Spurs now. He was there last season. Yeah. Well, again, Skip was big for them last season, mm. and I I don't see where they're like. 
dependencies on loan players it just never works it's, it's yeah well Fulham kind of showed you that last season yeah it? exactly like you just it, it can't it, you don't it doesn't work um, the loss of Buendia is huge and I don't think mm. they replace him very much um, very well at the, I was looking there. Apparently, their net spend was like more than fifty million quid. I was like, Jesus yeah, Christ! Yeah. It was quite a lot of money this time around. Like compared to, they, they <laughs> you know, look at that. exactly. You look at that. David, like, where the fuck did they spend it on? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Again, again, I think they're shipping. They shipped a huge amount of goals. But the only team to ship more yeah. goals than Arsenal in the last three games. They shipped ten in three games. And uh, yeah, I just. They've got nothing up front and seemingly nothing at the back. They're going this, down. This is the one thing I would say is that like Kavak is going to have to, is kind of in there as a firefighter. Like he's already, him and Han Williams are kind of going to be expected to bolster a pretty leaky defense as it is. And that, like that, that's that's talking about, oh yeah, see you 20 year old left back, see you 21 year old center back. Yeah, fix that defense. It's like, well, <laughs> good luck with that. Um, and yeah, it, 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 I just don't see that. I don't see them doing that. So like I have to give him like a t- fucking an F because like, like your main choice when you come up your main mm. so your main aim to come up is to stay up. Yeah, I don't see them doing that. So it's a, it's a fail, you know. And yeah, even if they do, even if they do stay up, it'll probably be because of their lone players who will all be mm. gone. I mean, like you know, Chelsea aren't getting rid of Bill Gilmore anytime soon. No, no chance. You know, uh, Brandon Williams he'll be going. St- all their loan players, they'll have no choice of keep, no chance of keeping. So relying on them is mm. stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, I see your point. Like, and um, like I said, I do, I do still hope that um, the likes of Rashid can kind of can be a star term. But I do see your point in the sense where they haven't bought anyone in that can actually guarantee them staying in the Premier League. But I, like I said, with Norwich, like I, I just feel like they wouldn't be. They, they, what kind of player could you bring in to keep that that team up? You know, the kind of way, like. Objectively, you'd, you'd be looking at like someone to replace Pookie as a as a main focal point, and they did bring in Josh Sargent, but he's a twenty year old, twenty one year old like striker. That's a lot of like weight on his shoulders as well. Now again, they might play wonderful football and and, and prove us all wrong, but um, I, I was a bit optimistic with them on my grade. I, I gave them a, a C plus because even though they didn't get like a, actually anyone in like a stalwart centre back or anything like that. I do still think that the players that got in are blue chippers and will probably be good business for them if they sold them on. That was kind of my logic to it, but because um, I don't think even remotely being a, a chance of staying in the Premier League was an option to them, really. I think this is more for this is a, this is a money ball team to me, you know. I don't see it's a money ball team because the money ball team was built to win. This isn't really yeah. built to win. This this is a team that's built to look good and then they get sold off. It, it's money ball. It's, it, it's money full stop. I, really. I don't think it's money. I don't think it's money ball. I think it's shop window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, fair. Whichever fucking works, to be fair. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. It's uh, surprisingly, it's 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 it's. <laughs> I, I I'm glad to be proven wrong with Norwich later on when they're uh, when they fail <laughs> to win for twelve games. Yeah. Uh, and in your sake, you very much want that to be proven right. So well, at least they, as long as they don't win their next game, I'll be happy. Yes, you're happy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to go into the bees now. Uh, we're starting off with Burnley, because um, who oh boy, uh, Burnley of course under new American ownership, who have promised to uh, give uh, Sean Dyche loads of money, and uh, yeah, let's go with that. So uh, obviously their kind of biggest uh, sale uh, this season was Ben Gibson, um, going to stick into Norwich permanently. Um, there wasn't much uh, departures really. Um, their young keeper Bailey Peacock Farrell left for Sheffield Wednesday alone. Robbie Brady released. 
Um, Aaron Lennon was released and then he was re-signed. So that was a bit weird, bit of a weird one. Uh, and uh, and a few other kind of like their reserve players like Ben Josh Benson and Jimmy Dunn are all gone to the championship. In terms of arrivals in, um, they've got a little bit international on us, Neil. And with that, I, I, but I, I mean, they've signed Welshman Connor Roberts, <laughs> Irishman Nathan Collins, and Frenchman Maxwell Cornet. Because <laughs> that is well, they've, been a, they've, been asked, they've been after that Maxwell guy for fucking ages. They have, they have, in fairness, and only for the fact that Lee Gunn is pretty much floating face down in the river. Mm. <laughs> that uh, and, Leon, yeah. Leon were willing to let him go, and so they're delighted. Um. He's going to give them serious clout at left back. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's, and also he can play the other wing as well. Apparently, he, apparently he's he's one of those type. He's one of those Milner types that can kind of play anywhere. So yeah. he's like he is. I think tactically he's best as, as a as a wing back, but um, but he can play in midfield as well. Like they also got Hennessy, and they also signed in Wayne Hennessy, didn't they? They did, yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's one for the uh, for the right wing lads, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, no, I, to be honest with you, I kind of like what Burnley have done. I mean, it's Sean Dyche, so he's gone all defence all the time. So he's pretty much bolstered that defence, but he's bolstered it with a lot of young, really good talent. Yeah, that um, was my point. That was my thought as well. Like, signing Nathan Collins was actually quite a good deal for both, you know? Because yeah. obviously, we have a way, like, It's similar, like when you were talking about like, oh, what players could, like, knowledge of science to kind of correct their defence. Mm. Here's the view. Yeah, fair point. Fair Collins, point, yeah. you think Collins wouldn't swallow that at Norwich TV? Fucking would. Um, and I don't think I don't think he's like the second coming, but no. he's a very good player. He's you know, um, yeah, I I I quite like what Dyche have done. Um, probably not a whole lot up front still for Burnley, mm. but <clears throat> I quite like him. Give him a C plus. He's you know they've done well. It's yeah. it's been a, it's it's be honest with you. It's a really different window for Burnley because normally we're used to just talk bringing up Burnley in these transfer rundowns and going, yeah, well they've done fuck all. Yes, <laughs> and Dice is still angry. Yeah, <laughs> you have to give an expenditure in like double figures for a change. It's like what the <laughs> fuck? Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, that it's pretty good. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm interested in seeing how that Cornet guy does. And Collins think, as well, of course, from an Irish perspective. Yeah, like Cornet could be one of those really low-key, like good FFFP fucking choices, you know? Like he yeah. could t- turn out to be one of those guys that just keeps chipping away like points. And he could do, like he's got all the tools. And like for for a player like Cornet, he's definitely one of those people that if he hits the ground running, Bernie could make a really good pretty penny on him next season or the season after. Like he strikes to me as a very good squad player for a top 10 team, you know? Yeah. And... Um, like he like going by even by his profile, like he is a Spurs player all over in terms of the the athleticism, the age bracket, the the technical expertise and all that sort of stuff. So he's definitely one of those. And um, I, I, I would say I, I did give him a C minus and the the reason I did was uh for basically they could have done with a striker, basically. Yeah, I, like, he, I, I brought it up there as like they got not a whole lot up front. I don't think Sean Dyche even realizes the other goal exists half the time. <laughs> I, I think it's more of a case like he brings the he just brings the, all the angry people in the squad up front, like Barnes, <laughs> Wood, like you know, and you like can defend okay, our goal, you can score up there as well. Fuck yeah! Yes. <laughs> like like I know that like he always plays a four four two, but he you are allowed to have two other strikers in your squad. You don't have to just rely on those two, and 
I suppose like you could also argue that the like, like keeping Dwight McDeal was also a good uh, turn as well, but he's at the stage now where he really should start to move, start looking to to get to a bigger team because like um because he's kind of like market value will start to to come down here at this point. If I was putting my my agent hat on. Um, speaking of agents, uh, let's talk about Brighton. So, um, again, uh, we will be talking about uh, Arsenal later, but they they made a fucking pretty penny on Ben White to the tune of fifty million pounds. Um, but a few other players, a few other kind of like what I would call um, uh, Chris Hutton players are gone from the squad now at last. David Proper has gone back to PSV. Uh, Josie Icardo, never really hit for him. He's off the club Bruges. Um, Percy Tau, who they've had like for four years and still could get a work permit, he's gone. <laughs> um, Bernardo is gone as well. He was uh, their right back, left back for some time. He's gone to Salzburg. Matthew Ryan, formerly of Arsenal. Got a real saucy dad and Alareza Jahambakash. Remember uh, that wonderful overhead kick from the out of nowhere, and um, he's on the fire north. So a lot of the kind of squad players are kind of gone from Brighton now, and they've replaced them with more squad players. <laughs> so, um, their their two biggest signings, you have to say, are probably Enoch Wempu from Salzburg, uh, a number eight central midfielder for like twenty million quid. A lot of the kind of Ben White money has been spent here, really. Um, and the other biggest outlay was Mark Kukurela, who's uh, perhaps a new left-back now from Getafe, uh, former uh, uh, Masia graduate. Um, another one I'm also intrigued by is Abdelassima from Slavia Prague, who uh, would have played against Arsenal and Rangers last season and was quite a star turn in that team. Mm. Uh, and Spurs, actually, if I'm not mistaken. They've pinged him straight out on long, though, haven't they? He's, he's, yeah, he's, a, he's at Stoke now for the season. Jesus. Yeah, weird one, eh? Um, but definitely one for the future uh, that's, in that sense. And they've also replaced um, Matthew Ryan with uh, Kel Sherpin from Ajax. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm not a big fan of him. I, we played against him in the Champions League and he, was, uh, he wasn't great. I'm not going to lie. I, I, don't think, I didn't rate him that much, but I guess well, it was 5 million euro well spent. Um, overall, like, I think I, I, I'm actually rating Brighton's window quite well here because I think they made really good money on Ben White. Um, and I think they, smart, they, they spent it quite smartly. The one thing I would say is they could have really done with a striker to to upgrade on Melpai, you know? Yeah, That's well, the, the thing is, they also haven't replaced White. Um, I kind of think that they were mainly focused on not losing, not getting pillaged. Yes. So uh, they couldn't keep White. 50 million was just too sweet a cherry to think... Mm-hmm. Uh, they managed to keep hold of uh, Basuma. Yeah, that was a big, big one. one for them. That was a big one for them. Um, which we should have gotten. We should have gotten him. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, no, but it's it's decent enough what they've done. It's just Kukure- It depends. It depends entirely on how Kukurella and Mapadu. Yeah, yeah, because. That they've given them cover in the field, like you said, they haven't really gotten anything up front either. So it's again but a lot of their a lot of their start turns are in the midfield, and it's, yeah. it's kind of weird because they, like they play a system where the midfield is not necessarily where all the magic happens. If you know what I mean, like they play that kind of back five system, but all their like with, with that being said, they've kind of like worked around that by having McAllister kind of playing as a as a second striker behind Melpay. and going by the one or two games I've watched of them this season already. Not a bad switch, like, you know, it kind of yeah. works. And to your point there about replacing Ben White, I think what they'll probably do is they'll probably switch Dan Byrne back to centre-back yeah. and then have Cucurella playing in that kind of left-wing position. So, um, 
which is fair enough because having a six or seven man as a left back is just fucking lunacy. So um, I think we can all agree on that. Um, so I gave them a solid C for their window, bro. I would go with that as well. Um, they still need lots more up front, you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, but keeping yeah. Basuma is pretty good. I, I think he's a bit of a class player. Yeah, I, um, I agree. But there must be something about him. Like, why isn't everybody in for him? Like, like it's fucking Brighton. I think, I think, it, I think it's probably because like. Um, it's it's that kind of problem we always we ran in with, with Wijnaldum in a sense where like Wijnaldum is a team player you know like he's a player that air, all that players love playing with because he's so selfless and he's such a great energy around the ball and stuff like that but it doesn't reflect on like statistics so when a scouting report comes around Basuma ranks low on certain things but when you see him play and you see how he generates so much more for his teammates. Yeah, that's when you can see the. the or maybe Bob Brighton are like fucking asking for a hundred million for the guy or something. <laughs> like, something crazy, like thirty to forty million. Yeah, so I think it's it's kind of trying to justify I don't, that. I think I think thirty wouldn't be that crazy for him. No, I don't think so either. I think it's very reasonable, you know, um, especially for what he brings to the side. Like, um, but yeah, like I said, we, who knows? It, it might just all develop uh, in the in January or in uh, or in this next summer. So. Uh, Next up on our list is Southampton, and they've had a busy enough window, has to be said. Um, Danny Ings, off the pastures new to Aston Villa, in a fucking transfer that literally came out of nowhere. Um, and another one that came out of nowhere was uh, Yannick Vestergaard, jumping to Leicester, which I found was a very surprising move. Um, they also secured uh, permanent deals for Angus Gunther Norwich, uh, Mario Lemina staying in Nice, and uh, they let go of Ryan Bertrand, who also went to Leicester on a free. And kind of a surprising move I found here as well was uh, Michael Obafemi, a uh, young Irish striker going to Swansea. Permanent move. Great move for him personally, but a bit of a surprise from, uh, from Sam. It didn't seem to be kind of clicking for him there. Um, and they've also let go of Wesley Hoyt, who was uh, one of their centre-backs and elect. In terms of arrivals, um, some very shrewd deals, has to be said. Adam Armstrong as your Danny Ings replacement from Blackburn, 17 million euro. Uh, Roman Perro as the Bertrand replacement uh, for 12 million that breast and the Leonaco as the Vestergaard replacement. So they've literally replaced everything they needed to replace. And um, and then was got some very smart moves then for some young players like Tino Livermento at right back, uh Amanda Borgia from Chelsea on a loan as a striker and then Fieri Small then as a uh, left back from Everton. And then they secured Tia Walcott permanently as well. So I uh, I don't hate this transfer window for Southampton, I'll be honest. I no 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 I don't with that I got B minus on my one. Um, going back to signing young hungry players for fuck all. Mm. <laughs> I was like, this is the Southampton way. This is what they had yeah, lost. Yeah, exactly. Lost they've, they've gone back to the Southampton that we all know and mostly hated, uh, mm. but for good reasons. <laughs> from Southampton, um, I think they're getting they're getting of Livermento. I think is really good. I think it'll also benefit Chelsea as well. They've got like a. Ridiculous. They have a buyback clause. Yeah. Buyback clause, which is fucking pathetic. I think it's like 25 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um Adam Armstrong as well up front, liking that. Um yeah, yeah. Uh, B minus, I think the only reason that stops this from being a pure A fucking thing is have they shored up shit at the back? No. They need that Lyanko guy to hit the ground running. Because if he <laughs> if he doesn't, or if the defense starts shedding goals. Ooh, this is going to be a dodgy fucking season for them. But um, that's, that's I like- the kicker for me. I like, I I still don't um, have much confidence in in McCarthy as their as a star goalkeeper, especially with Fraser Forster as the backup. Like I would have rather someone of a of a, a higher standard to kind of come in. 
but I don't, I'm not saying he's a bad goalkeeper, but I think, you know yourself, when you have a, a more um, confident, assured goalkeeper, it helps defence as well. Yeah. Um, but like that is kind of my kind of vibe from, from McCarthy himself. I think he's quite good at certain things, but I think he has shortcomings in other places, you know? Yeah, I was surprised they didn't go for a young, hungry keeper who could have gone, here, look, you know, work your arse off. Here's the number one for the next three or four years. Yeah. Um, like they've done with a lot of other positions on the pitch. Um, so I'm, I'm surprised they didn't go for because this that was a shit hot fucking young keepers flying around. This is it, yeah. You Especially know, if they've read the top at the bigger clubs, like you could have you could have took a risk. I took a excuse me, took a punt on punt on one of them. Yeah, but, um, exactly. You could have um I mean we'll probably get onto them in the interlull discussion there, but like maybe they could have gone and swagged Bizunu off fucking sea, you know? Yeah, absolutely. They could have done. <laughs> And like I said, and 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 that's not even the some of the like the second tier ones, like someone like Sergio Romero, not even yeah. not even having a club at the minute is a bit of a, a bit of a shocker. Like he would have been a great fifth for Southampton, nice experienced head. Um, but yeah, like I say, otherwise you say a B minus for Southampton. Um, next on our list then is the youth revolution at Crystal Palace, <laughs> the uh, the revolution that might might work, maybe who knows? Yeah, uh, that's, <laughs> that's the thing, like. I have actually two grades on this regarding whether or not it'll work or not. It's either going to yeah. be an F, it's either going to be an F, or it's going to be like a B. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's a big cool. F um, or a B. Um, Alright, fuck it. I'll start off with the signings that I like. Loving the signing of Edward. Odds on yes. Edward. Loving that. Bargain. Really want to fucking see him. Um, Anderson and Guehi already really good in this mm-hmm. uh, defenders. Uh, they got Will Hughes. Fucking Tade, he's proven. He works. He can do this shit. He can yep. do it at this level. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm liking a lot of what they're doing. If it works, <laughs> if it works, that's the key thing. Like, if yeah. it if it doesn't click, this is gonna be a fucking failure. Yeah. Uh, like, I am so surprised that that let that so few Premier League clubs were looking at Edwards as a as a as a as a signing because it's the Scottish League man they, it's a yeah. huge blind spot for a lot of clubs they're just like we don't really give a fuck they mm. just don't want to know about them like yeah you know? especially the price you saw Edward going for like Ed, like Celtic at, at like two years ago were rating him at 30 40 million in the yes. same way that like Rangers are rating Morelos and rightfully so like he's their he's their talisman of course he will be but the fact that like he was so he is so desperate to actually get out of Celtic that the price was just going down and down and down and down and that was just making him more and more of a of a lucrative deal, and and ultimately it was Palace to sign him. I think like if Edward is if Edward is good as everyone thinks he thinks he is, he is the answer to fucking Palace's prayers in terms of strikers. You know how like we've had trouble with like the Pentecan AU just like falling off the face of the earth form wise. Yeah. Edward could be that guy to pick up the slack. And if he does, then uh, this Palace team will click like no end. Because you mentioned the teams like Anderson and Gwehi are two fantastic signings back, potentially. And they've already, mind, like, they're already, no, they're already playing good. I watched, yeah. a, watched a couple of the extended highlights of some of the games. They look already kind of solid. And I'm like, God damn. Hmm. It's hard to come together a bit. Um, and I don't blame them in a the sense, like it will take some time for that to work because... I'll just write a lot of names here. Gary Cahill, Scott Tan, uh, Andros Townsend, Patrick Van Anholt, Mamnisaku, James McCarthy, Wayne Hennessy, Conor Wickham. All those players left for nothing. They made no money on those players. Um, and like the, some of them are like internationals, like Patrick Van Anholt and 
Mamadou Sacco. And, the, and these are players that you could have made some money on, but they just decided, no, wage bill, let more important, get them out of there. And um, I suppose out of, the, out of the players there, I think Van Anhalt will prove to be the biggest loss because a lot of now, um, a lot of that pressure now is on Tyreek Mitchell to be the first choice left back. And uh, I suppose Joe, Joe Ward is uh, still left back as well, technically. But um, it'd be interesting to see how they do. I'm also really intrigued to see how Michael Olise is going to do because um, him and Omar Richards were meant to go to Munich together um, and only Richards ended up going. So there's a lot of hope that um, he will hit the ground running as well because he does, by all accounts, seem to be a Premier League standard uh, player, especially if the likes of Munich are looking to get him in. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I think they've done some very good business. Um, I would perhaps say maybe they should have... Um, perhaps something at right back was probably what they missed out on. Because mm. um, like I said, they still ha- I think they still have Nathaniel Klein there and Martin Kelly, so uh, and Mitchell, of course. So I-, I would have thought maybe something there, but otherwise I'm, I'm giving them a B minus. I think they've done really well here. Like for, the- for what they're trying to do at Palace, I think it's a really good start. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, stay, I'll stick with either. I'll stay, you know what, fuck it. Let's get optimistic on this shit because you know hope. That should be Eric. Come on, you want them to. You want them to I, I do want them to succeed. So fuck it, I'll go to B. Go fuck them on yourself. They I might. Die, I might downgrade that to a B minus because they didn't get rid of Zaha and he's not been good. Mm. Um, yes. he just doesn't seem motivated because the, the game against West Ham was quite entertaining. <laughs> um, fucking, you know, well done for Colin Gallagher. You know, after coming off a heart surgery a couple of years ago to. Yeah. Scorching That's another one we actually did mention as well. Connor Gallagher, like, uh, <laughs> did really well for West Brom, and again, like, worthy of a of a loan spell, like. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah, should be interesting times there. Uh, Wolves then also has a bit of their a bit of revolution on their hands as they start learning how to attack again after three years of of Nuno um, pragmatism. Uh, Sales wise, not much to be fair, and um, they let go of Rafa Mir, who was one of the squad players for sixteen million to Sevilla, so they really liked him over there. Um, <laughs> The biggest loss, though, I'd say would be Rui Patrizio going to Roma and joining the Jose revolution there. And uh, one of the youngsters, Owen Otisawi, who they had really high hopes for. And Bruce signed him for, for four million. So could be one to watch in future, considering how well Club Bruce do at shining players up. Uh, a few loan deals kind of worth mentioning as well, like Ruben Vinagra uh, going to port, back to Portugal again to Sporting. Uh, Morgan Gibbs White, who's they're kind of like their, their talisman young player off the Sheffield United. And uh, Patrick Cutrone, who has been trying to play football at Wolves, but keeps getting loaned out. Uh, he's at Empoli now this season instead. Um, and arrivals-wise, again, not much to talk about. Uh, two, two, I suppose the, the biggest deals are perhaps their loan deals. Um, uh, Huang Hee Chan from Red Bull Leipzig, um, who was the kind of the last person out of that trident between Haaland, Minamino and, uh, and, uh, and himself from the Salzburg generation. Now he's, in the, now he's at Wolves. And I suppose the biggest one is perhaps Francisco Trinchao from Barcelona, who Barca also have really high hopes for because Barcelona literally owe the planet money. And they might have to let go of them for, for stupid money because I think there is an option to buy for 30 million for Wolves. So they might get one of the best like young players in the world for 30 million. So not back on. Um, and I suppose the other business to, talk, to say would be they signed Aid Nuri permanently from Angers. And uh, they replaced uh, Rui Patricio with Jose Sa from Olympiacos. Otherwise, uh, all fairly decent business from Wolves. I'm not sure how to read Wolves, I'll be honest with you, Neil. Um, don't read like, them very well. I don't. I'll jump in on this. I gave them a D plus. 
I give him a D because I'm yeah. thinking like, like for me, center, I thought, center defense and central midfield. Yeah, nothing, there's nothing there. But I, I look at that team, there's no spine. Yeah, like that's that's the thing, right? Like I, I get that they're going to be changing systems a bit, but I thought with all of, with everything was going on, this would have been a great chance to cash in on the likes of Traore and Ruben Neves. I'm surprised that he kept Neves. I'll be honest, but then again. His last season at Wolves was really, really poor by his standards, and Gemmatinho would be would would be the same thing. Like I think, like a lot of players had a bad season there. And um, again, a lot of things could be different now that Jimenez is back, and hopefully back to his best. But again, I, I'm kind of with you on that one. I, I feel like there's just something missing from this Wolves team that was there a couple of years ago. You know, maybe people just figure them out. No, there's there's two things missing. It's called a centre mid and a central defence. Central midfield. They have huge gaps there. Um, what the reason the the rating's not lower is I think that Trincao guy is going to be fucking awesome. Yeah, I think um, I have high hopes for him. Definitely. Yeah, I think he's yeah. going to be fucking brilliant. If they play him well, they play him right, and they do it well. Um, yeah, he could be a fucking money spinner for them. But, like, now Wolves really Wolves needed to do a big job here. And... Mm. Um, they just they just didn't do it. I, I to be honest with you, funny enough, I found it weird that you were talking about them retaining Neves and Triore as negatives. I saw them as massive positives for them. Perhaps, yeah. You know, I I see I see those two players as not being very happy with their last seasons and going, well, you know, if we want out of here or if we want the big money, if you want to make that money, you're gonna have to fucking play well. Yeah, um, and now with an attacking coach like kind of leading them, you could argue now this is their chance to show how good they are. So yeah, that's yeah, but like you know, I would say, but a lack of a, a lack of a really good central midfield might hamper them quite badly. Yeah, no, I think it's a very. I, I just, I, I don't, I'm not expecting a whole lot from this. Mm. Yeah, no, I, and I, and I'm agreeing with you. I, I'm going for a D myself. Um, again, we might have a, a similar opinion on our next team, which is Newcastle. Um, departures wise, uh, a lot of. Uh, I don't think they made any money on, the, on these players. I'm not sure why. I mean, uh, Yoshimuto going back to Japan. Christianatu leaving for Saudi Arabia. Florian Lejeune uh, staying at Alaves after his loan. Uh, one of the Longstaff brothers is gone as well, by the way. He's gone on loan to Aberdeen. Maddie Longstaff. Um, that's the younger one. The one that uh, made Man United look like mugs uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they finally let go of Henri Saive. Uh, a player who's been there for six years and has played once. So uh, good on you, lads. Fair play. Um, and Andy Carroll, heartbroken to hear that he's gone from Newcastle. Um, maybe going to Reading. Who knows? We'll see. Um, they've only made two. They've made two deals, Neil, which is a surprise because Newcastle normally do one. Um, and namely Joe Willock coming back after his brilliant loan spell. And um, I'm sure we'll have thoughts on that when we get to Arsenal. But I think for the banter alone, I think Newcastle have to get a better grade because they signed Santiago Munoz from uh, Santos Laguna on a loan deal. Um, which I just think is a great reference to the movie. Like they literally signed the player from their own movie. I think oh, that that is just how is that not a goal? You is, know? He, is he going into the team? Like he's not going. Yeah, into yeah, the he's team. in the team. Like he's, is he's he in alone. the team. I thought he was going to the academy. Oh fuck! I don't care. Like I'm probably he's probably like there's football players in that squad. Like he'll go in the team. No bother. Like <laughs> yeah, well. There. Steve Bruce like, is two steps away from Alex Bruce taking the fucking reins. Like, come on. Yeah, but uh, Bruce has already been whinging to the press about how he's been, you know, how they've done nothing. He's already out of ideas. Yeah. Um, I think it was pure press clamor that got Newcastle to fork out the 
22 million quid we got from for Willock. Yeah. This is an F. I look at that squad that squad is worse <laughs> they've gone through a fucking transfer window and wound up with a worse squad it's an F all the way through I see them struggling hugely they that defence is Swiss cheese yeah I, I, and that midfield as well is huge gaps there I, I don't see anything happening I think I, I think I am I am giving them a slightly higher deal. I'm, I gave them a, a C minus, and the reason I did was because I think what they did was um, keeping a lot of their actually good players. You know, like I think keeping say Maximin is a big deal for Newcastle because he is literally their only good player, and the fact that like the likes of Callum Wilson staying staying there, like he could have easily moved on to a to he could have been the replacement for like Ings at Southampton hypothetically, but also I think they did really well to keep Freddie Woodman. Um, who I suppose could be now the number one uh, keeper after um, after Dubravka's latest injury. Um, a great loan spell at, at Swansea. His market value has gone up, like a very young goalkeeper, very talented. Um, and I think he's done really well to keep him. I, I'm with you on the sense where like, like they just need money. Like they need someone to start fucking like showing respect to the team. Uh, Willick is a stupendous signing for Newcastle, but whether he, whether he reflects the, the loan form, you know, it's different like trying to impress your parent club on loan with goals and the parent and, and assists and that sort of thing. It's different when you're there forever. You know, kind of way when you sign when you sign a six year deal and you're now a Newcastle player and you realize, oh shit, this is like this all the time. Oh no, <laughs> you know, that's the trouble. Like, so it'll be interesting to see. I have them down for a C minus though. Um, on that, I don't see where you're coming from with that. They have yeah. less. They have less depth to a squad that shallow horrendously shallow mm. um, retaining say maximum I think there's a reason why nobody was really going in for him he's massively injury prone he is yeah reliant Definitely. on Wilson, Wilson as well if either result get injured or if you know take a look at their injury record both of them are probably going to get injured if More both likely. of them are out like mm. what the fuck like they're relegation bound if both does get injured like there's fuck on there still be, to be fair like that's yeah, fair. might still be but <laughs> fuck me like it, this is like, when he having Steve Bruce resigned for this exact reason, yeah, from Hull when he from when Hull, he brought yeah. Hull to the Premier League, he resigned for this exact reason. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the reason why he's sticking with it is because Newcastle fans aren't turning on him. He knows they yeah. won't because he's a prop. He's a Geordie himself. He's a proper. They they recognise that he is one of them. <sighs> I just thought, I, no, man. I don't see where you're coming from with that C minus. I think it's like, like, like I said, it was literally just down. It wasn't down to who they brought in; it was who they kept. Like it was keep. It was getting will. Like it was that's, keeping. That's the shallow. Like they've kept. They've kept the puddle, but like they've lost. They've still lost. Lost everything else. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I know. What you mean. I know what you mean. But um, I think this is a classic Ashley gambling for seventeenth. And seventeenth is probably what they'll get the jammy bastards. <laughs> yeah, probably, you know. Uh, no, uh, wants, like, it's sad. It's this really is an F. You can. Uh, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> um, we might we might actually agree on this one though with Aston Villa, our next uh, team. So obviously <laughs> the the biggest arguably uh, transfer of the summer was Jack Grealish, uh, at least on a, on a money point of view, hundred million, uh, neat to them. 
I'm sure we'll have thoughts on, on Grealish going ourselves. But they, they did like, get rid of a lot of their squad players as well. Like Ali Samata never hit the ground running. He's gone to Fenerbahce. Bjorn Engels, same story. He's gone to back to Belgium. Um, Tom Heaton is now the fourth-choice goalkeeper or third-choice goalkeeper of Man United. Living dream there, fella. Um, <laughs> and a few loan deals as well. So Frederick Gilbert was one of the right-backs. He's gone to Strasbourg. Uh, Conor Hurahane is off of Sheffield United, which I'm very excited by. I think he's going to do really well there. Uh, and uh, Wesley's gone to Club Bruges, which is really annoying because I want to say shut up Wesley every week and now I can't. Um, <laughs> you've also got rid of their, some of their right-backs. Uh, uh, Neil Taylor and El Mohamedy are gone, which is a bit of a shocker. I mean, El Mohamedy, a fan favourite of Villa. So um, interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Arrivals-wise is where it gets interesting. So Emmy uh, Wendy, we mentioned already, coming from Norwich uh, and Danny Ings to Southampton, but also signing Leon Bailey from Bayer Leverkusen for a neat 20, just under 30 million. Um, and uh, another shrewd one, Ashley Young, coming back from Inter Milan to play at left-back, so, uh, which could be interesting. And then uh, bring, keeping uh, Axel Twanzevi on loan for another year from Man United. So uh, I value your opinion, Neil, but I'm going to be giving Villa a very high ranking here in terms of the window. I think they've done superb work. I think it's a, it's a B from me. Uh, I think they needed more in midfield. But yeah, mm. I think it's been pretty good. They've been slammed in recent, like at the beginning, because of illnesses and injuries. But I think your man Bailey will pretty much. I think he's a purpose-built Premier League player. When he gets fit, I yes. think he. I think he'll rock it. Like when he when he gets fit and back and firing, like he's going into my FF team. No doubt. I think um, losing Grealish was always going to hurt, but let's face it. Like they they've done really well. Ings and Buendia, they've already scored goals. They've yep. already started scoring. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm like you. I'm liking what they've done. Um. I. I'm not going higher than a B because I think they could have done better than Ashley Young. Although his experience will help them, but I. I. Yeah. I Squad player. As, really. as an Arsenal fan, as an Arsenal fan, I'm like you know predisposed to reacting negatively to reliance yeah. on older squad members. And to be honest with you, I really think they should, probably should have gone in to buy Twinsaby. Maybe they did now, and United told them to go fuck themselves. Yeah. But um, oh no, I think I really think they should have gone like because he gives them he gives them very good defensive core. He does, yeah. But uh, no, I th- I think they needed more in central mid, hence the B. I I see I do see your point. Um, and and to their credit, they had they did try to get like um somebody in that position. Obviously, they recorded Smith Rowe all summer, and it, it never happened for them. Um, and also, as I found out, they're also trying to sign Curtis Jones um, from, from Liverpool. I heard that offer. rumor. Was that actually yeah. true? Did they actually 20, million off, 20 million was offered and it was rejected out of hand. It's not for sale. Fuck um, yeah, so they still have money to spend. So they still, in theory, can get a, a midfielder in January. At least the one thing I would say about Villa is they don't necessarily um, rely on midfield that much because they are kind of a, a 4-4-2 type of team. Yeah. So now that you have the likes of uh, and a diamond, to be, to be specific. So when you have Douglas Louise, McGinn and Bendia already as your midfield, and then you can throw someone in like El Ghazi or Bailey into that. And then you have Ings and Watkins up front. Like that's a, that's a solid enough Premier League team. So at much to your point though, if injuries do happen, like they, then you're looking at very thin in midfield, but apparently you have quite a lot of, they have quite a lot of um, good young players in that the position as well. They seem very hopeful on uh, Chukwumeka, um, who was one of their uh, graduates this season and, uh, and Jacob Ramsey who plays as a winger. So I think they, they kind of hope that some of them might kind of fill the gaps. But I, I do see your point. They might they could have done with it. I'm still giving them an A, though, um, because I think 
I think 100 million for Grealish is is good business, and I think they spent the money really, really well because we've seen clubs fuck up with that kind of money. But this time, I think they did it perfectly. I think they. Oh no, no, they, they, they spent the money well. They spent the money very well. Um, but uh, you know, you neglect centre mid at your peril. Very much so. Um, and again, heavy reliance on heavy reliance on long players. Pff, not really a fan of it, but you know, yet again, I don't really rate Ashley Young, but he's a good experienced head. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm liking this. Uh, yeah. Again, I just I just think the lightness in centre mid is what does it for me. Yeah, and I, and I totally get that. To be fair. Um, and again, we're going to be seeing if they do need the cover or not. Um, next up then is Everton, the ever-ending quandary of that is Everton. Um, Departures-wise, a lot of their like, dead weight are gone, to, the, to be fair. Um, Bernard has gone to um, Abu Dhabi to play there. Um, Josh King has gone, Yannick Balassi, Theo Walcott, um, Mo Besic is gone as well. Um, and, uh, and I suppose like they're one player that just didn't fucking work out Moisey Ken has gone to Juve for a pretty neat loan fee. Um, and, and the old lady has got its young book back. Yeah. 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 I, it just, it just was a, was a move that was a total, total disaster. And um, it really was um, for both, for both clubs and the player just didn't fucking work out. Um, so yeah, a good deal all around for them. Uh, Rivals wise, I'm not going to lie, like bit of a fucking, this is Rafa business like he he the, the guy doesn't have to spend money he just gets the players he wants you know and um, i was thinking gray for an apps for peanuts like he, peanuts. he literally got him for 10 bob and a pickled egg yeah um unbelievable business um and not only that then you have andros Townsend coming in as a squad player you can tell like you know rafa always has his favorites and literally he has signed his favorites <laughs> He signed Townsend, who did wonders for him at Newcastle, and he signed Solomon Rondon, who did wonders for him everywhere fucking else. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and all of those players, I say, jumped at it as a caught shit because everything's a step up from wherever they were. Absolutely, yeah, 100%. And also, lesser spotted Asmir Begovic now, the number two at Everton, and Andy Lonigan, yeah boy, is now a goalkeeper at Everton. Jesus fucking Christ, he's like 50 years old. Um but they've also brought back, they also have, uh, can welcome back John Joe Kenny from Celtic. So let's uncover it right back for our famous Coleman and check Tulsa now another option for striker. And um, again, look, I, I, I hate when Rafa does go business like this. I really do because like, <laughs> you know, Conway, like, like Rafa is like, Rafa is the perfect symbol of when football is sensible. It's just like, he's, he is an actual football manager. He's bringing in players that suit this team and what this team needs. But what modern football wants is like you to spend $1 billion on like three players that all have literally shit golden eggs. <laughs> like, and the thing is like these players will probably do much so much better than a 40 million pound signing because this is what Rafa does. He finds solutions to things. And like Christ, like having Rondon as a backup to Calvert Lewin is brilliant business. Yeah. Brilliant. For free. For free. Like no, for nothing. Like literally they have rescued him from Chinese football. That's like, exactly. Well that's the thing. Like, you know, when you've overspent for so many fucking years and basically gone backwards yeah when you're literally throwing money into the fire of the engine and somehow are slowing down rafa has gone rafa's the guy to come in and go no here's one penny and then the fucking thing hits turbo he just it's like the finger poke of doom like, exactly <laughs> yeah um i'm gonna go with a c plus on this because they need cover on the they need reinforcement on the flanks yeah Particularly, uh, left, particularly left wing, we didn't have any people. Mm. Um, 
So I think he's just given the team a bit of a, f- a spine for his fruit for as literally as little money as is possible in the fucking Premier League. <laughs> uh, and he's done that. But I think on the flanks, they're going to get exposed. Mm. They really, really need cover there. Apparently right back was a big one for them. Didn't sign fucking anybody at that. Uh, yeah. But uh, like... Uh, this is this is um a review of the transfer window. I think Rafael do really well regard, even with the scraps yeah. of a team that he's got. But regardless of the window, I don't see like how on the flanks the squad is any better. It's not. No, um, I, I get at your point. Like I think like I think Gray and kind of Townsend serve the purpose as squad players, but I think like next window they'd be looking at getting um some genuine width in there because again Rafa does like width and he any and, and that's why he kind of got them in as sort of like you'll do for now and then we can start looking at, at kind of the players to kind of replace maybe then first towns and, and then gray if, like, if gray hits the ground keeps hitting the ground running for everton he's in that team you know yeah. i mean you could also argue they could do it in number 10 because rest assured it's not gonna be fucking goofy sigurdsson um so uh yeah it'll be it'll be interesting times i gave them a b overall i think like for because we've had a couple of windows where Everton have spent stupid money on on signings that either have worked or they really really haven't worked, you know. So it's nice to see them having a bit of a as more a more sensible window. And um, like again, we, we, one player we didn't mention was James Rodriguez, who desperately wants out of that club. Like he had a loan deal to Porto and it got scuppered right at the end. So he is not going to play for Everton. This team is so much more functional now without him. Um, and even then, like he could very well be on the sidelines for the entire duration and just not play. Or if this Everton team really do have something about them, he comes back in and that team is automatically better, you know. So, uh, like, the yeah, never count Rafa out when it comes to player motivation. Like, absolutely not. No, like he can he can literally turn that shit into diamonds. Um, so again, speaking of Leeds, um, we have a uh, again. A lot of the kind of championship squad players are gone. Um, I think the biggest loss probably is Alyovsky going to um, going to Saudi Arabia to basically earn money for the rest of his life. Um, as the, he's kind of their, their first choice left back. But the second choice left back is gone as well, Barry Douglas. He's gone to Poland, would you believe, to play for Lech Poznan. Um, although some of their kind of like their blue chipper players are gone as well. Ian Pervade has gone to uh, the championship for Blackburn. Lee Davis, their other left back. They just Does Bielsa just hate left backs now or something? I don't know. He's gone to Bournemouth and um, on loan as well, and uh, a few other kind of like their squad. Like Pablo Hernandez has gone back to Spain, for example, um, and uh, Helder Costa has gone to uh, Valencia on loan, and they've let go of you know Kane and Jonah Barati, who got were there for the championship run. They have bought well though, to their credit. They have permanently signed Jack Harrison from Man City, big fucking deal on that point. Yeah, um, and uh, they have signed the blue chip uh, goalkeeper in Christopher Clayson, which is the most Norwegian name I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, and then they're supposed to have marquee signings Junior Furpo from uh, Barcelona for uh, for stupid money, like 12, 13 million euros, whatever it is. Yeah. And then Dan James, who uh, a refugee from the Ronaldo deal, it has to be said. <laughs> yeah. He's got he's coming for big money. Like I don't think I've ever seen anyone be a bigger Daniel James fan than Marcelo Bielsa. Fuck. Like the guy literally wanted him from the start. I, I guarantee you, when that deal went through, he had to go change. Yes, like he, that's pure jizz in his pants. Happiness there, um, yeah, I fucking I like this. I am giving this a B. I, I'm going for B minus myself. I think they've done superb work. Jack Harrison staying is a huge fucking yeah. Deal. Oh, no, no, no. Keeping yeah. somehow managing to convince City convert 
Harrison's loan into a permanent deal. Love it. Yeah. Uh, wonder what buyback clauses in his fucking contract. Mm. Fairpo, I'm like, I to be honest with you, I think Fairpo is the biggest deal there. Holy shit! Like, if mm. he clicks as Barcelona think he will, and they're usually pretty good on players like that. Yeah. Damn, like that third, what, 12, 13 million quid? That's going to be a fucking. I was like, yeah, we'd have paid three times that and still have been happy. And um, Furpo is a, is a real Bielsa player in a sense, where like he is technically playing at left back, but he's also there at number nine. What the fuck is he come back here? <laughs> like they've totally overhauled the entire left side of this team. They have, like, yeah. Furpo, <laughs> James, and Harrison's all left centric shit. Like he must have hated the, the entire left side of his team. I don't know, maybe he's like. He fucking fell out of bed onto his left arm one time, and he's like, "No, I'll take this as a sign." Is the it, left, the left. That, that's that's how Bielsa builds his teams. He decides yeah. on what what side of his back hurts the most. It's like, yeah, no, it just, what, maybe the left side of his bucket collapsed or some shit like that's that. That's it. Like, yeah, no, yeah. So I'll take this as an omen. All of you guys, fuck off. My <laughs> brother was killed by a left-handed serial killer when he was five. <laughs> exactly. Um, I know. I I can't go higher than a B because there's no cover for Bang Bang Bamford. Um, mm. or hat trick Manford, um, and I. What team is better? It needs. A, it's weird when you've got a really really good player like Phillips or like Calvin Phillips. Yeah, depending on him is not a bad thing, but I think I find this team over dependent on him. Oh, they 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 fall apart without him. They fall apart. They can, like every single like even watch the last season. Every time he didn't play, they were like. If you look at the United game, like he did play that game and they got smashed six one. You know, like it's 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 very evident that they needed him and uh, and and good for them. Like like he wasn't injured; he was just like on fucking holiday, you know. And obviously he needed it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, so um, this is gonna be interesting. Arsenal. Oof. This is a uh, prepare for the hot take. So Joe Willock, obviously the biggest sale at twenty nine point uh, four million euros, uh, but a few other departures as well. Lucas Torreira, um. Uh, joined Fiorentina on loan for the year. Willian tearing up his contract and going to Corinthians. Thank fuck, says most, uh, if not all, Arsenal fans. Uh, and then a lot of loan deals. Uh, oh, sorry, David Luiz is gone as well. He's gone to uh, Flamengo, I think, actually. And I think it just, that just got announced. So he's, uh, he was released, of course. Um, you also said goodbye to Danny Ceballos, who went back to Real Madrid. In terms of loan deals, uh, Reese Nelson's gone to Feyenoord. William Saliba and Matthew Guendouzi are both going to Marseille. I think Guendouzi is loan with obligation to buy him, right? And saying. Or was he a permanent deal? I think he was a loan to buy, wasn't he? Who? Sorry, what? Uh, Guendouzi. Uh, yeah, loan with, it, loan with an option to buy. Option to buy, okay. Um, he also let go of Runer, uh, Runerson, which is um, just a good deal for everyone, to be honest. He was terrible. Uh, I suppose the biggest departure on paper is Hector Bellerin going to Real, Real Betis on a loan deal. Uh, I have thoughts on that move, by the way. I'll get to it when uh, we get to this. <laughs> um, the rivals then. So... Uh, to replace some of those people leaving um, two defensive replacements in Ben White uh, for £50 million and then Takahiro Tamiyasu very much sniping that move from Spurs has to be said mm-hmm. um, centre back and also right back uh, Aaron Ramsdale is now your number two uh, goalkeeper from Sheffield United about €28 million Euros. Martin Odegaard uh, returning to Arsenal from Real Madrid uh, and then two blue chippers in Albert Laconga and Nuno Tavares, uh, centre back, centre midfield, and left back, respectively. And um, so, uh, yeah, interesting one. And also, you welcome back, uh, said Kalizanach, because you couldn't find a buyer for him. So, um, so Neil, I value your thoughts on, on this uh, window for, for Arsenal. Oof. 
Jesus, can I go with the dual fucking system? Dual grades? The dual system I had for Palace. Right, I'm going to go optimistic because I hope that kills you and I'm quite frankly just fed up with sport <laughs> this season so far because the last three, the last four to five weeks of sport for both being a, both an Arsenal and an Ireland fan uh, just haven't been good. Oh, uh, yeah. So fuck it, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give us a solid B. We've brought in good young players who will grow into a unit. It may not fucking work this season. I'm willing to fucking bank on that. But things absolutely needed to change. Funnily enough, you can draw a lot of parallels between Arsenal and the current Ireland team in that mm. what was happening before, had it continued, would have been worse. Sometimes failure... I mean, it was the same thing, the same thing when just before Wenger had to leave. Sometimes failure is better than stasis. Yes. You know, you could have kind of... You could have chugged along, but this is a foundation for the future. All the players are in and around. They're about 23. 21 to 23, yeah. Yeah, 21 to 23. Um, There's a good number of old hands that guide them. Whether or not they're any good anymore is iffy Mm. as well. I don't think a lot of them are. But there are some good guys there. Um, I just, yeah, I no, I, I think we've overpaid with a lot of our deals, but there were deals we need to make, if you get me. So I don't have too many issues with the deals. It's just they knew that we needed the signings, so yeah. we got our pants pulled down. We needed, um, like the Ramsdale field was high, but on top of us needing to top up our homegrown quota and give us our long-term next number one because i think most of the season and parts of next is just gonna be a baton passing uh between him and leno because mm-hmm. leno's out in 2023 that's when his contract expires so i reckon we're going to be looking to offload leno next season um so that'll give him time to progress so you know i've no problem with that mm-hmm. uh, with buying in a number two with thoughts to progressing him as a number one that's cool by me didn't really like the fee, but fuck it, it was something that had to be done. Loved the Odegaard signing. Loved how little we had to pay for it. <laughs> uh, trust me, he wasn't he wasn't fucking twenty million a couple of years back. <laughs> to oh, fucking tell not. you that now. No, he was not. Um, the white signing's pretty good. I mean, like when if you looked at the, you look at a lot of our games, like our, def- our centre defenders need upgrading. I think White and Gabriel is going to be our fucking main centre-back pairing, and I like that. Mm. Um, it's just, they haven't been able to play because Gabriel got injured. <laughs> he wrecked his knee at the fucking Olympics. He's, he'll, he'll be back in for Norwich, so we'll get to see okay. the White-Gabriel pairing. Um, there, so, you know, anything that keeps, like, fucking Pablo Mari off the pitch, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, Tommy Asu at right-back. Let's see. Um, it's weird. He's kind of gone for another chamber style player, but a player yeah. who can who can really play right back. Like he, he's funny enough. Tobiasu is like six foot two. He's two inches taller than Chambers is. Mm. Um, so you know you're not knocking the ball over that guy. <laughs> and he's quick. He's fast. He's really good. And because he's been playing, to, like he got his work permit there the other day, so he's actually available. And because mm. he's been playing constantly, he's actually fit. Um, whether or not he will play against Norwich, I don't know. Uh, teams haven't been released yet. Oh. It's a good overall transfer window. The 
problem is it doesn't fa- it doesn't solve any of the issues we're facing right now. Mm. There's an eye on the future with everything that they've done. And I think I like it, but I'm not hopeful for the season. I'm hopeful yeah. for the season after or the season after, if you get me. I do, I, I do know where you're coming from with that. Um, um, I, I, think, I think our starting 11 hasn't improved, but I think overall yeah. the squad has massively improved. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair, that's a fair assessment. Um, but, um, but I'll throw my two cents into this as well. I'm going to give Arsenal a D. Mm-hmm. Um, if they had not let go of William, if they had not found a way to get rid of William, this would have been a stone cold F. Uh, it would have been yeah. my only effort. Getting rid of William was so fucking good. They deserve two or three grades just for that alone. That, that is legit, legit why they are D, because they sold off William. Like, I, for the love of me, I, I'm glad that you kind of explained to me what Arsenal were trying to do here, because throughout the entire summer, I just could not fucking understand the logic. No, no, wait, wait, that, that's what I think that they're doing. <laughs> you know, I've explained that to a lot of people. I've explained that to a lot of people, and they've been like, okay, I can see why you understand that, because you've thought about this. Have they thought about this? That's a, <laughs> I, like, yeah, that's a I would fucking hope so. I mean, Arteta and Edu aren't idiots, but I do believe that there's a thing, there's a kind of like, there's a lot gone wrong at this club. There's a lot of problems that need to be solved. And yeah. I think the quick fix, they've, over the last two seasons, we've seen that quick fixes just don't work. Mm. Um. So, yeah, there's just, I think, I think we've just gone right. We can't do quick fixes anymore. So we've got a sign for the future. And take the pain now and it'll, you know. Yeah. So the trouble with that is as well, like when you do stuff like that, like you, you do have to kind of have a little bit of instant, like obvious progress and obvious improvement in that because a lot of clubs do go through projects like this. Some of them are doing it right now, like Spurs, for example. Um, and the trouble with that is like you do have to have like a very like obvious improvement i can only look from the from the signings you made this season i can only look at two of them and say that they're good deals that you need right now lakonga and odegaard but then i also look at the departures and thinking what the fuck were you thinking letting go of joe willock what the fuck are you thinking letting go of, of hector bellerin you are going into a season with your right back choices of being a converted center back with callum chambers and i'm sorry i know he played right back as hampton but he's not a right back now he just isn't. Not in the current game where, like, literally you need speedsters on the wings. He's not that. He just isn't. I'm sorry. And neither is Tommy Yazoo. I know he's, he's a very good player, but I see him as a centre-back, right? So you're looking at that then and you're thinking, right, well, who's your, who's your most natural fitter right-back? Cedric, a 35-year-old Portuguese player who is a squad player at best. That's the best choice as a right-back. No wonder the team is fucked. You've got critical flaws all over the team. And the thing is, like, you have spent – like, this team has over has spent – outspend everyone in the window by maybe Man United and you haven't addressed the two biggest problems in your team right back and jacket replace the fucking idiots I'm sorry it's a simple thing just replace him get rid of him just do scrap him sell tear off the contract you did William and get someone in Torreira what has Torreira done to get loaned out twice in two years there is nothing wrong with Lucas Torreira in an Arsenal team like there's no fucking I don't think there's any logic behind this team Guendouzi What's wrong with Gondouzi? What's wrong with Saliba? Like, you have like 10 fucking centre-backs and none of them play for the team. <laughs> like, I hate this Arsenal team. I'm sorry. Like, I've been biding my time over this. But like, I want to see this Arsenal team like do good. But 
it, it's like it's like there's two different like trains of thought over how to make this Arsenal team work, and they're both clashing. There's like, oh, but we need to use our homegrown talent. Oh, but we don't have any. Let's just buy in. Hang on, didn't you just sell our only homegrown talent? Yeah, I did. My bad. <laughs> Silly, I do. So what the f- like honestly like, and it's like, what do you want to do? I'm just gonna sign all these players from my best friend Kia here. You know, he he has all the good ones like Cedric, William. You know, all them. You know, it's like it's 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 bollocks. Like I'm I'm not I'm not buying the project. I need to see more from it. At least the one thing I would say is the best deal you got was Odegaard. Getting him in was a fucking coup, and it it's bizarre to me that no one else tried to to steal that. But yeah, I, I that that's just another yeah. thing there as well. Like, how did nobody want this guy? Like, so it's just because he's been off the radar for so fucking long. Nobody was like, oh yeah, remember that kid that Real signed for like stupid money at sixteen. Oh, yeah. I wonder what happened to him. Fuck, he didn't light the fu- he didn't light it up. Because I was expecting people to look at him all last season and go, "Oh shit, maybe it was the fact that it was only like half a season." They just thought, "Oh, flash in the pan" type of thing, and they were probably all certain that Real wouldn't be stupid enough to let him go. And then, when... mm. I don't I, know, I, I, I just I just love it. <laughs> I yeah. fucking no, love I, it. You know what? Here's the thing: you should because that is legit been the best part of your window for me, and. You, you, I would hope that, like, I think at least with the likes of Tavares and Lukonga, they will fit in really well. Because I've seen a bit of Tavares, and even in the Man City game where you I like Lukonga. I like loving the look of Lukonga. Lukonga will do, like, if Lukonga is playing the role I think he is, he's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And the thing is, like, he is going to be so much better in that position than the likes of Jacket. Where, like, actually, finally, you now have a player who actually wants to be a defensive midfielder. <laughs> not just told to be and fucks it up every week. So, like, yeah, it, it's going to be good. Um, it's it, 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 interesting times ahead, but again, like, I, I can't not look at that Arsenal team and cringe every time I see Callum Chamber playing a right back. When you have a fucking Jack, Jack Russell Terrier in Kieran Tierney bombing up and down, and then you have such an imbalance on the other side, like, it just makes no fucking sense. I think know? it's and, meant to be kind of asymmetrical. I think the team's designed to be somewhat asymmetrical. Mm. But um, I think with Tamiyasu, I think... That might be better. I think, I think, but the thing is, right, for one thing, I, I know you say you, you see him as a more of a centre-back, but he, he has been playing at right-back up until very, very recently. Yeah. It's not like Chambers, where when we signed him, you know, we signed he had him as a right-back. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, it's, uh, yeah, no, I, I understand why somebody would look at this and go, this is bollocks, lads. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's the thing. This it's, is it's fucking average. This yeah, is amateur hour shit. Like this is fucking amateur hour <laughs> shit. Um, but I, yeah. I, I, I find that this is a team that couldn't buy their way immediately into success. So I've decided to buy it for the future, and kind of just hope shit clicks right now. Yeah, get me. Um, yeah, I, I do, I do. I know, I know what you mean. Um, again, we'll, we'll probably see, well, by the time this comes out uh, with the North game, we'll see if that's actually true. Um, next up then is uh, right across the road, uh, Spurs. So a lot of departures from them. Obviously, the uh, the Pochettino project is well and truly dead and buried. So is the Mourinho project, and so is the Ryan Mason project, if there was one. And um, so a lot of the kind of the squad players are gone. Danny Rose, you mentioned already, gone to Watford along with Moses Oko. Uh, Paolo Gazzaniga now uh, the number one of Fulham, which is an interesting move. Uh, Eric Lamella, Lamella gone to Sevilla as part of the deal for Brian Hill, which we'll get to in a moment. And Serge Aurier just gone, just he's gone. No, no one wanted him. Um, Apparently, the word in the street is Arier might be an Arsenal target. So, oh yeah, I heard that as well. Yeah, yeah. interesting stuff there. And obviously, they didn't uh, secure anything for Gareth Bale because, like, let's be fair, 
<laughs> um, Money-wise, I suppose that the money they have made would be on Joe Hart. Celtic somehow paid a million for Joe Hart, which says a lot about Scottish football, to be honest. Um, Toby Adeviral has gone to Qatar, and they actually did spend money on him, about £10 million. And Juan Foyt, which I was very surprised by, he's um, made his move to Villarreal permanent, which is a surprise. Again, he was kind of earmarked to be a future Spurs centre-back, but never happened. Um, in terms of arrivals, again, Spurs have spent relative money. Uh, Brian Hill is perhaps their the most impressive signing from Sevilla, £25 million. Again, with Lamella going the other way. Uh, Emerson Royal came in on deadline day from uh, Barcelona. Again, very much getting out of the quandary that is there. Because not even Barcelona knew if he was a Barcelona player at times. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Pape Sar, who was a, who was a fairly hotshot uh, 18-year-old uh, defensive midfield, came in from Mets and uh, got long straight back there for the season. And then two rivals from Atalanta, uh, Christian Romero and uh, Pierluigi Gallini, uh, both on loan. Uh, but they have options to buy, I think, for both for £40 million. So uh, good fucking luck spending that, lads. Um, but again, bolstering the centre-back and, uh, and competition for Loris. Um, Spurs are a weird one for me. Like I, I'm not sure how much Kane staying factors into my grade because I gave them a C+. I feel like I would have given them more of a grade if they just finally sacked them off, if you know what I mean. No, I don't think so. I mean, like, I'd see minus. Well, first off, Kane was never going to go. I said no, this before in our podcast. It was like, Levy holds all the cards, and when he does, you get nothing. Um, it was gonna, it was gonna take silly fucking money, yeah, uh, to get him. And even though City are basically just decided to just throw caution to the wind and just abandon any pretense that they followed the rules, mm. um, they weren't, they weren't even gonna do that. Particularly as seeing as how Pep doesn't really like centre forwards, so spunking like the GDP of a small African nation to buy a centre forward. Make fuck all sense. Make no sense. No. Um. Uh, it depends. I think they still they're still too counter attack dependent. Um. So that means they're really good against like topper rank higher rank teams that attack. Mm. But there's gonna be so many fucking teams in this league that low block. I think they'll struggle. Yeah. And I think they have done that as evidenced by one goal from open play in the first three games. Uh, very true although yeah. what a fucking goal um, <laughs> you know the beat fucking City yes. loving that um, I, I I go with C minus I, I, I'm I'm agreeing with that I yeah. think I'm to be honest with you slightly wet with jealousy on the Emerson Royale deal yeah I, I, again I think I think everyone look at the I, I was thinking the same with, with the Brian Hill deal I think like Everyone would be looking at him going like, fuck, 20 years old, Spanish, right winger, shit. Why didn't anyone notice that one? You know? Shit, ha. Like, they yes. fucking loved him. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, so, they, yeah, they did not want to let him go. No, they didn't. They really didn't. Their armor twisted, in fairness. But, um, but like I said, they got the medal out of it. So, you know, at least they'll get the red card somewhere. Um, <laughs> so, uh, sticking with London, though, for our next one, uh, we're taking to West Ham United. Again, Moisey's uh, European. Uh, Dream are is heading out to uh to the wonderful places in their Europa League group. I can't remember, and um, not much departures wise. They've kind of kept the same team. Obviously, I suppose Jesse Lingard leaving back to going back to Man United is a bit of a is quite a serious departure for West Ham in a sense. And um, but actual players on the contract, Fabian Balbuena, uh, is le- has just left the Dynamo Moscow free deal, and uh, Felipe Anderson finally out of uh, of uh, of West Ham. I think they made a loss of him on about thirteen million pounds. 
because he went to Lazio for three million. And um, like again, if that's a positive in your mind, I think it's a, it's a massive negative because they they've just ruined that player. Like he just never fucking liked it there, at West Ham. And um, but at least they're not like bullshitting themselves with in, in terms of like people coming in. Like these are these are players that Moisey wants. Yeah, um, I, I did. Uh, on I fully agree that he's not going to be losing too much sleep over losing Rafis. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. Um, so again, rivals wise, then Craig Dawson is staying from uh, and moving to Watford from Watford permanently. Alphonse Arola going to, coming from uh, PSG via Fulham, a uh, great deal for them to be fair. I, I, to be honest, I think that's their best deal. I think he's going to add serious. Yeah. Com- he's going to add serious competition and goal, and he is actually a really fucking good goalkeeper. He's a great goalkeeper, yeah. He is. I am. Yeah. I, I, to be honest with you, if I was a Hammers fan, I'd be looking at that and going, "Grand." Maybe I'm mean, like, it would be outright the best deal they did if they didn't mm-hmm. also get Zuma. Zuma is an interesting one, yeah. Like, um, they really spent the money, like Zuma, and then Vlasic, who was uh, I think a former Everton player, and then came good in, in Russia for CSK Moscow, and then Alex Kral, who is now the third Czech Republic player, um, in the team. So you've got Kral, Suchek, and Kufal, all in one goal, and um, and yeah, like they 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 think Kral is brilliant, um, in the Czech team. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm really happy with West Ham's business. I'm not. Like, they spend a lot of money, like they're about seventy million odd, but. Like, I'm giving them a B minus. I think they've really balls to the squad. West Ham would be my first day of this season, I think, to be honest with you. Like, um, yeah. It's a bit of a bullshit thing to say. Oh, they've won the window. Well, I'd say West Ham are up there with that regards. Mm. Um, like, loads of people were expecting to keep in for Rafael. So I was like, no, they don't need him. He's not, they don't like him. Like, and also, a situation around United hasn't proved. You no. know? No, it hasn't. Um, especially especially uh, given who else is in now. <laughs> exactly. Some bloke, I don't know who he is. Some, some rapist, yeah. Um, so, I'm like, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if they loaned him out again. Probably. And, yeah. and like I said, West Ham will probably be the first person they'll call, like, you know. Exactly, uh, yeah. Or maybe even, sell, maybe even fucking sell him off in January. Probably. Yeah. Who knows? Um, who knows? That's just it. No, I think they've done superb in this one. If I was a yeah. Hammers fan, I'd be loving this. Um, probably the it's reason why it's not actually West Ham doing properly smart business for a change. Yeah, I, I don't think why he's doing it. The only reason why it's not an A plus, like a perfect, they haven't won the window for me, is the lack of support for Antonio. Yeah, I agree. Now, like I said, I do think Vlasic will be that that backup, but I think I, I think, think he's more, more there like, as a creator. I see he, I see him yeah. more. I, 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 was, I was about to make the point like I think he's kind of the one like if Antonio is the kind of the focal point of the team he's kind of one of those guys who will slot in where like Yarmolenko would be or um, maybe not Fornells but maybe Bowen if he's injured but Bowen's like constantly fit so he's kind of like for me competing with Yarmolenko if you know what I mean yeah. so he is a very Yarmolenko player so getting another one of them is a fucking great deal all, all round to be fair and um, yeah it's just a re- it looks like a really good team on paper and uh a really good spine again, mostly made out of Czech players, but look, whoever works. I mean, Brentford is enough for Czech games, players so. and the odd Croatian, yeah, yeah, <laughs> lesser spotted Croatian. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a noisy team all around, to be fair. And um, now, moving on then to Leicester, another one going on a European adventure. And um, departures wise, not not much now, to be fair. Again, Wes Morgan retiring, and uh, Cengiz Under going back to Roma. Uh, I think he's now at Marseille now for this season. Um, they let go of a lot of their kind of squad players. Matty James is gone uh, for free. Christian Fuchs has gone to uh, Charlotte in the MLS. Uh, and Dennis Pride gone on loan to Torino. And Rashid Gazal never hit the ground running. He's gone to Vegetas. Um, but then 
Now, Neil, you were saying about winning the transfer window. This is my pick for winning the transfer window. Yeah, uh, no, no, my, my, I'm with you on this one. I actually, yes. I, have left, I have a star next to Leicester on my list there, yeah. yeah. So we have uh, Ryan Burton coming in for free from Southampton. So automatically, Chris and Fuchs is replaced by uh, former England international. Yannick Vestergaard also coming in from Southampton. So you've already got your Wes Morgan replaced. Then you got Bubakari Sumar, who won League on with Lille last season, coming in for a cut price, 18 million. Fuck. <laughs> then um, Pat and Daka oh, coming in from Red Bull Salzburg. He, he works out. Holy shit, was this some win? 30 million. That was his release clause. Um, I'm gutted. I'm absolutely fucking gutted we didn't get him. I really am. I'll, I'll get to that later on. And then on deadline day, Adam Ola Luckman Look back in the Premier yes. League. The yes. right winger, the, the right winger that they have needed for quite some time. We fucking, yes. I think we and if they get him, him on the permanent deal, then Leicester are going to kill us all. To be yeah. honest, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, yeah. the stinks of Rogers looking at basically lining up where his squad was the weakest, turning yeah. to his transfer committee or whoever the fuck does the transfers at Leicester and going, get me this player from this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, and here is why because we are weak here, 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 and here. And these are the players, the thing. Vestigard, getting in Vestigard to cover for Fafana. I mean, like, that was fucking Can't horrendous. Really. I mean, like, you can't, just yeah. can't legislate for that. Like, So I haven't factored in them losing. They've essentially lost him for the season. So I, yeah. I've not factored that in because that's just, you can't. Uh, no, it's, it's bad. It's an, it's, an accident, it's an incidental transfer in a sense, but they had to do it. So they had to do it. So maybe you could maybe say that centre defence is probably where they're not looking good. Well, maybe not have no real depth. Relative terms, yeah. But fuck, man! Like they've addressed every single squad area they needed to. This is brilliant. Yeah. That this is how you do a transfer window. It is one hundred percent. Like I mean, uh, like again, I be I I'm hoping to God that Pat Daka does show how good he is. I think you'll see him more in the Europa League. He'll be the kind of person that comes in with Vardy. And they're going. Him. They're going to have to bet him in. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But when he does, oh my word! Like you guys have no idea what what you're like. Like if you look at one compilation, I don't do compilation on the YouTube, but Daka is an exception to the rule. Like six foot three. Runs like a fucking marathon runner and just a wand of a right foot. Like he just hits things from fucking anywhere. And one of the most like natural, he reminds me of Abamyang. You know what Abamyang was like, prime Dortmund Abamyang. This guy is that type of player. And when you have that at your disposal, again, look at the strike force Leicester have now, the choices. You got Vardy, who somehow is not aging at this point. Like he's just so, like, so full of vitriol. Yeah. Like, also just full of vitriol and sugar that he literally cannot get old he'll just cure you know yeah. and then you got a choice of Ian Nacho or Daka to support I was like what more do you want from a team you know like, this is exactly what you want and like yeah I've given them an A minus it's like I think it's my highest grades uh, no uh, yeah sorry A plus yeah that's what I have now A plus for, for Leicester like I think they have won the window if you want if you want yeah. to coin that phrase like I don't think, see anyone doing better business than that and um, and again, they didn't lose anyone in particular. They didn't lose Fofana. They didn't lose Ian Acho or anyone like that. Everyone is exactly where they should be in that team. And Madison, I, I completely forgot about James Madison, still in that squad as well. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Like, this is a top four team, no doubt a doubt. And, and speaking of, we're now getting to the top four team, teams, folks. It's all very exciting. And we're now talking about Chelsea. And then, this, again, we're getting to where the big boys play. So... Again, Chelsea have a long firm. I'm not going to go through all the names because we don't have all night. But the ones that they have actually moved on permanently, Cammy Abraham, the, probably the biggest one, biggest sale at least, are going to AS Roma. 
to uh, get bullied by Jose Mourinho for about a half, about maybe six months until Jose fucks off. About six months, yeah. Yeah. Um, there about that, yeah. Uh, That's when he's boiled himself mentioned. down to. He's boiled himself down to like six months. That's it. Yeah. He's he's, he's concentrating. It's more focused, you know. And <laughs> um, so uh, Zuma also we mentioned with West Ham. Ficari Tomori also going to Syria with AC Milan. Great deal for him personally. And. Mm-hmm. Um, Zappa Costa, one of the more like outliers of the team, gone to Atlanta. Victor Moses finally leaving Chelsea for Spartak Moscow. Um, there's actually three players going to AC Milan altogether from, from Chelsea. You've got Tamari, then you've got Bakayoko, who constantly goes on loan because no one likes him at Chelsea, but they won't fucking sell him on. And then Livy Giroud going to Milan um, to be beautiful with Zlatan, um, as you do. And again, great load of names, Batshuayi, Van Ginkel finally leaving. Danny Drinkwater going to Reading on loan. They actually found a buyer for him. Holy shit. Um, and again, we mentioned Billy Gilmore and Conor Gaher and all these fellas uh, going on loan. In terms of arrivals then, two pretty big ones. They didn't do much business, to be, to be fair. They, they brought in Marcus Bettinelli from Fulham to be their number three keeper. Um, I suppose, if you want to say, Trevor Chalaba getting to the first team is a bit of a big deal for Chelsea because he's their token young player who will get sold off in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the two big arrivals. First, Son Niguez coming in from Atletico on a loan deal. Uh, that's a very shrewd signing for me, by the way, um, on yeah. that. But then the big one is Romelu Lukaku for about just shy of 100 million. So, again, we, it goes without saying Lukaku is there to show Werner how to score goals and was the kind of missing piece of the puzzle for Chelsea. Um, but Saul coming in to be the kind of like to, to kind of compete with the likes of Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante for the midfield, too. Really smart move as well, you know? Um, very good because um, he's young, yeah. he's hungry, he's been basically he's had a garbage few years at Atletico yeah. and he wants to come in he wants to be that pure six that he knows he is in his heart um and yeah no I think it's really really good if it works out they've got a fucking stunning player on their hands and if it doesn't thing it's fucking selling him back to Spain for yeah for it's a no, you know, no harm no foul kind of thing and if anything he's going to push the their players that they have on their contract because they're looking at Son Niguez, I think, Jesus, this guy's got a La Liga winner's medal around his neck and now he's here on loan. Exactly, um, yeah. So, yeah, like, I, I I, really like that. Again, Lukaku, 100 million. I mean, but then again, like, Chelsea don't operate in the same financial rules as anybody else. Do. Oh. I mean, like, they spend 160 million augmenting their attack, only to spend 100 million again in the next window to replace a large chunk of it with a player that they sold off a couple of years back for 30 million. Yeah. Um, Lukaku was funded solely by their massive loan farm selling off. I think they raised some, like 90 million quid selling off. All yeah, their between Abraham, Zuma and Tamari, they, they paid for the Lukaku deal. So, yeah. so it's crazy. And he's obviously coming in like stupid wages. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, no, I think he's going to be, I think he's going, unfortunately, he's going to be really fucking good for them. Yeah, look, I, I put it down for a B minus because it is he's a type of signing that does make them Premier League contenders. Like, they, like yeah. I'm expecting them now to win the league because of Lukaku. You know, like I'd be expecting. Uh, I, I would, I would have if they'd gotten Lukaku. I, I have them as a B plus. Reason why they're not an A and reason why they haven't won the window for me is they didn't haven't signed anybody in central defence. I think if they gotten Kunde, Jules Kunde. Yes, that's true. Actually, yeah. They couldn't get him over the for whatever reason they couldn't hit the, hit the oil money couldn't get him over the line, and um, yeah, so I think if they'd gotten Kunde, I'd be like, yeah, they're nailed on to not only win the league but win the window as well. Yeah, that's fair. Fair point. Um, so we move on then to Liverpool, who finished third last season and uh, are probably looking to hold on to third at this rate. 
Um, so as departures-wise, nothing major in a sense. Uh, I suppose uh, Georgie or Jeannie Van Elden would be the biggest departure. Uh, and not necessarily replace either is the thing. And we'll get to that shortly. And um, he went to PSG on a free deal to earn stupid amounts of money and play with Leo Messi. Um, and again, also kind of a lot of squad players, departures, Harry Wilson going for really good money to Fulham. A uh, bit of a weird move where Fulham basically get in for nothing this season, but they pay the fee next season, basically. Just because Fulham want to, you know, use the parachute payment to pay for him. Um, Taiwo Ayuni, who we couldn't get a work permit for, he's, stay, he's staying in Union Berlin. So they paid him uh, money as well. And Shakiri uh, leaving for Leon for a cup price six million. I think he's going to do fucking wonders in that league. I think like he's a, he's a class act and he's going to show that. Uh, and then Marco Groyic, who, uh, who cut love him, will probably never get to play for Liverpool. <laughs> he's gone to loan again on Port, for Porto. And I think this is going to be permanent. Like he's going to, I think this is an uh, obligation to buy. So about 16 million to sign Groyic. So not bad money. We're going to get like 30 million next season, if that makes sense. Um, and then a few loan deals. Ben Davis is gone. Reese Williams is gone. And Ben Woodburn, who had a great preseason, is gone to Hearts now. So hopefully it works out for him. Departures, uh, rivals wise, only one. And that was uh, Ibrahim Kanate from mm. Leipzig um, for 40 million. So we've kind of addressed the centre back problem we had in a sense where we, we started off last season with three centre backs. And that was, a, that was a huge, huge mistake. And I think like without COVID, they would have said, oh, we would have signed Kanate. We would have signed somebody. Um, but now we're going into the season with five. We have Van Dijk back, of course, Matip, um, Gomez, Kanate, and now Nat Phillips, who is like, like Nat Phillips being like the kind of break glass for emergency headers type of fucking player, you know? Yeah. So I'm okay with that. Now, like Phillips was going to be sold this summer, but they couldn't find a buyer. So he gave him a four, new, new four-year deal to keep his value. So smart moves in that sense. Um, but in a sense where like, this window was kind of like dictated with the moves that with the sales that couldn't happen in a sense where in a way the, the kind of the bottleneck at the moment is a Rigi um, in terms of, in terms of, of getting players in, if we were able to let go of a Rigi, I think we would have signed Pat and Daka, in my opinion. Yeah. And because he would have been a natural replacement, he would have been a, a, a very different proposition to Firmino or Jota up front. Um, and just from that context alone, like you, you probably, I would have to mark down Liverpool a little bit in this window. I don't think there's not much they would have done anyway, because I do feel like they, I think they have a natural like uh, progression with with uh, when Alden going anyway, because they would have brought in Thiago, so Thiago would be the first choice midfielder in that role. But then you also have the likes of Harvey Elliott, who is reveling with the first team player, like he was phenomenal against Burnley. Yeah. And like literally just playing the role that a Shakiri would play, but he was playing in midfield, so he was fantastic. It was a, it was outstanding. Um, and again, they have high hopes for the likes of Curtis Jones to kind of come in and be a good squad player in that regard as well. But the question still remain on the likes of Minamino and Origi. Are they their fifth and sixth choice striker, of course? But if something does wrong, if when the Africa Cup of Nations come around, for example, and we're relying on those two to score goals, are they going to do it? The answer is probably not. And that's where that's where the questions are going to lie, and and ultimately because of how much money the other rivals have spent around us, you can see why Liverpool fans are a bit nervous um, about that. So I've given Liverpool a solid C. I think getting Kanate in is a good deal. He's he's definitely a player that we kind of like put our hat on for the next couple ten years to be a fantastic centre back if he if he kind of keeps on the track he is, and then next year is the rebuild really, like seeing who's on the market and seeing who he gets. But again, yeah, no, I, I, time who have you missed out on? Exactly. I'd go with the CC minus type of thing in that mm. 
like all right, Elliot Elliot effectively replaced Jack. Yeah. But there's you know, the only cover for um Firmino Jota, Mane and Sally are forward four is Origi and Elliot. Uh I'm in Amino, of course. I'm in Amino, so, yeah. So I'm like you know, like you're really de- you're really reliant on an injury free campaign up front, particularly when you've got Afcon this year as well. Yes, that's the, that's the real issue. That's that's what I'm not happy about because we know Afcon's going to be a pain in the hole, and we're not going to be able to to prevent the likes of Salah flying out. They have to play. It's the, yeah. it's a cup competition. They have to play. So, um, we had to have done something about that, and we didn't, which is a bit of a shame. Exactly, and the, I think the the thing about it is is that also. Like Mane needs to arrest that slide he was on last year. Same mm. with Firmino. So I would have brought in, I would probably brought in somebody else maybe to push them, you know, to, to kind of yeah. go, look, lads, yeah. like you haven't really been doing well. Like more so than trying to avoid injuries, you kind of have to avoid being as profligate as they were last season. Now that said, mm. you still got third, even with them missing every second chance. <laughs> like, uh, But I just, yeah, no, I, I go with a CC minus. I, I think, I think Klopp is a bit of a genius. Um, so I'm, I'm not worried for Liverpool. In fact, I think he'll challenge for the league and the Champions League. This I, I'd say he'd be fine. Yeah, like the team is good enough as it is. I think it's because like it's always Liverpool fans always have a are very guilty of the grass is greener syndrome, where you'll see the likes of the matches of clubs spending stupid money and then we're like signing what we need for this season rather than like what we what we want if you know what I mean yeah like again if they wanted to they could have signed Daka they could have signed like we like we um a lot of fans turned their noses up on Jared Bowen I would have loved to sign Jared Bowen this season because I think he's a fantastic option like he genuinely is another Shakiri in that role but the problem with Bowen is that he would need to be a starter you know he'd yeah. need to be the front three and he wouldn't be that level that Katie Gordon, he's 16, aren't he? Yeah. Him and like, he's also got like a Lee Clark son, didn't you? Oh man, look, we have so many young players. This is the thing, like, this is why I'm, I'm glad that we kind of have left the avenues here because Katie Gordon, fantastic preseason, 16, and looks really like above his age. Um, you mentioned like Lee, uh, Leighton Clarkson. Yeah, he's another one as well. Um, surprised he didn't get loaned out, I'll be honest. I think, um, I think they have maybe plans for him to get into the team. Um, but the ones I, I'd be kind of looking, keeping my eye on out for would be um, Matthias uh, Musilowski, who uh, is like like scoring like nearly hat tricks on a youth level. Like he is an insane player, uh, and again a, a natural striker, so he could literally slot in whenever he's ready. Um, another one I, I, I remember seeing from the young players, uh, Oakley Cannonier, um, is a number is kind of like playing a kind of continual role. And if you may have heard that name before. He's the ball boy that gave Trent the uh, the quick corner that eventually <laughs> played against Barcelona. So now he's like playing in number nine. I think he's got a professional deal now. So at least with Klopp, like he does, he is very thoughtful of the young players. He doesn't want to just sign a solution to a problem that he doesn't have. And and I do appreciate that. It's just a case of like, um, is it enough to keep the pace with these kind of like stupidly mega clubs? That's the burning question. But I suppose it would be liberal if we didn't. Um, speaking of, we now end with the two Manchester clubs. First off, um, Manchester United. Again, nothing really on the departures. Uh, just Dan James uh, for going moving to Leeds. The two Pereira brothers are finally gone. One to Flamengo uh, and one to uh, the Eredivisie. I'll let you figure out which one. Um, <laughs> a few of the young players have gone as well. You mentioned Brandon Williams and Twan Zabi going on loan. 
but they also let go of Fazundo Palestri to Allardyce on loan uh, and Tai Chong to Birmingham, uh, which again, they have high hopes for both of them. And they were trying to let go of Ahmed Diallo to Sheffield United, but then his hamstring exploded, so bad luck there. Um, and then we come to the rivals, some, some pretty big rivals, Neil, it has to be said. Um, Jaden Sancho, Rafael Varane, and uh, Chris, hang on, Cristiano <laughs> Ronaldo. Okay, funny name. So, um, I, I, I want to explain my grade as a B plus. Um, Varane and Sancho alone would have been an A. Would have been an A for me. But Ronaldo coming back, I, oof, I'm just not sure on it really. Like. I know I've been reading a lot about like why what is the logic of bringing back someone like Ronaldo, and it is a case of like the problem with United last season was they were missing the easy goals. There was they were missing headers, they were missing tap ins, they were missing like uh, not penalties, of course. Bruno had that covered, and um, but they were missing like simple goals. And Ronaldo at this time of his career is going to be a great simple goal scorer, you know. So I can yeah. see the logic in there, but just for the for the money he's going to be spent earning for the two years he's there. And kind of at the expense of Rashford and Greenwood and Lingard, who, like, let's be fair, like, they could have done with the time in the team, you know? And I'm just not sure on it. I, I think as well, after all these kind of really indulgent signings, like Ferran and Sancho, who do have an actual purpose in the team, what are you doing with the midfield? Are you yeah. really going to, like, work it in the, with the number six pairing of McTominay and Fred's? I was, oh, no. I was about to say, I was about to say, I give this a B. The only reason it's not any higher to an A is that, like, they've strengthened their attack and defence when their midfield was the area that they needed the yeah. most work in. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, it's yeah. just horrendous. Like, like they don't have France Paul Pogba anymore. Well, they probably won't this season, you know, because he's mm-hmm. going to be. He might chop window himself for a few. A few games, you know, because, yeah, yeah. because he's coming out of his contract. But other than that, I'm like, all right, Fernandez, that's it. He's got attacking midfielder locked down. Who else is there though in that midfield? You know, yeah, yeah. I'm like, he is the focal point, yeah. And Van der Beek still not getting his game, which is so bizarre to me. Like, Van der Beek hasn't kicked. Point. Van der Beek hasn't kicked the ball. Um, mm. fucking, they don't. Re- is Mata still there? Mata is there for another year. Yeah. Yeah, he's there. They don't like him. Uh, Rafa's is back. What's he gonna do? He, w- he won't get a sniff. He, he, won't, he won't get a sniff. No, get in there. <laughs> I'm like Sancho was there to upgrade on Daniel James. Yeah, um, yeah. right. Then fine. Cool. I, you know, I, I agree with that. I see that. Um, Ronaldo's an upgrade in Cavani. Uh, but Cavani's still on the fucking squad. <laughs> and had to give up his fucking shirt number as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's a bloated squad and unbalanced, but I still think they'll do an awful lot because it's it's good in the right areas. Yeah, that's the like, thing. Like it, it'll get. Right, them I, I don't think they'll win anything. So the thing is, is that this transfer window for Manchester United was here. We need to sign the players that are going to win a shit. Yeah, you know, we need to win shit. We got to beat people and win all of this shit. So we need to sign players, and I don't think they've done that because. They need quality midfielders. Well, Varane, yeah, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. And if you ever get a chance to sign Rafael Varane, you fucking take it. Fair play mm-hmm. to them. Him and Maguire, that's going to be a pretty damn good fucking centre back pairing. Like back four wise, it's a fantastically it, defensively, it's one of the better back fours in the league. 
Yeah. Like, like Shaw is great defensively and so is Wan-Bissaka. You know, it, the difference is, and they said, and they set up their back four as a back four, as opposed to like attacking fullbacks, like some teams Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. So they're going to be hard to beat in most, team, in most teams. But the difference is like, like, as you said, like defensively, they look great and attacking, they look great. It's just that there is going to be that critical flaw in the middle of the field where it'd just be down to Pogba and Bruno to do, do bits. Yeah, it'd be better or not Pogba is like, you just kind of go, right, well, if Pogba decides to show up, then we've got a bit of our, then we've got our work cut out for us. But if he's just not into it, which he very, very, which he spent the last four years not being into it, then Jesus, we got a real shot at just playing straight through these guys, you know. That's the thing, yeah. That is the burning question, like, and oh. and again, like, like in a sense, like it's like Man United are like one of those kind of high performance PCs you can get, you know. Like they they have all the bells and whistles, they've got the lights, they've got the the fucking like the solid state, they've got all this sort of stuff. Oh shit, we forgot the heat sink, and now it's on fire. Shit, yeah. I knew we forgot something. <laughs> you know, it's like ah, oh, you're so close. Um, the last team we'll talk about, and thankfully it'll be a quick one because there wasn't much going on, was Man City. Um, they let go of Sergio Aguero to Eric Garcia to Barcelona. Technically, I mean, they, they might play for them at some point. You never know. Um, and sale wise, they made a bit. They actually made a bit of a, a bit of money this uh, this summer. And um, Jack Harrison, we mentioned to Leeds. Uh, Lucas Dementia, one of the youngsters, gone to Wolfsburg permanently uh, for eight million. And then Angelino, their left back, uh, going to Leipzig permanently for eighteen million. I think that was an obligation to buy. And um, we'll get to that because I have thoughts on that move. Um, and a few of their other like kind of like miscellaneous players like Patrick Roberts and Philippe Sandler all gone to their sister club, uh, Troyes, uh, in France. And then two signings, actually. I didn't realize they signed two players, but they did. Um, they signed a, a right winger from Fluminense called Kaki, uh, or Kayak, if you prefer. Um, and again, we didn't mention hear much of him because, you know, third-party ownerships. And so that's probably why he didn't make the headlines. And uh, Scott Carson is officially on the books at Man City. Um, he's on a two-year loan beforehand, but now he's officially a goalkeeper. And apparently will be playing for them in the, over the weekend against Leicester, which I am fucking looking forward to, I'll be honest. Um, but obviously the, the main signing has been Jack Grealish coming from Aston Villa for $100 million. Um, I'm going to be very frank about this. I'm, I've given Man City a D. Um, and the reason is because they didn't need Jack Grealish. You know, like like Jack Grealish is one of those players where they didn't need, um, but they they signed him because they could. You know, I, I, we met, we mentioned the deal before, and um, like what they needed was a like for like replacement with Sergio Aguero, and they might get it with Ferran Torres to be fair. And um, but Gabriel Jesus still, as the kind of joke has been going around, still being a backup striker to a team that doesn't play strikers. You know, it's it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a calamity. But, but Grealish coming into this team when you already have Mares, Bernardo, Ferran Torres, it's just really indulgent. And he, he might hit the ground running. He might be very good for the team, but he's just not going to be the talisman like he was at Villa. Um, and and I, I, do, I do understand why he went, but for, from Man City's point of view, you, you could have pursued better targets. And now, crucially as well, because of what happened with Benjamin Mendy, um, you could have bought back Angelino. Mm-hmm. And brought him into the team, and then you would have been covered for left wing, left back with Zinchenko and Angelino. But no, you instead you decided to basically play an, an attempt, an accused rapist for six months and hope no one would notice. And now everyone noticed, and you're stuck with left backs. So yeah, that, good job, Man City. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm giving him a D because I think overall the greatest deal doesn't doesn't make sense to them, uh, to me at least for them. And um, it's just a bit of a vanity signing, is what I would call. 
Well, yeah, he's a PR signing. It's a sports washing signing. That's why yeah. they were after Kane, even though they don't play centre-forwards. Just basically trying to ingratiate themselves with the English press before Pep fucks off in 2023. Yeah. Um, so, <sighs> I... <sighs> fucking, I don't know, like... It's weird to see, it's weird for me to talk about City because they don't really operate financially on the same level, on the same fucking dimension as everybody else. Mm. But um, I don't know, they didn't really need to do a tremendous amount. You know, no. I mean, all right, then fine. I think they massively overpaid for Grealish and they didn't really need him, but he is a fantastically gifted footballer. He's oh, going yeah, to do a lot for them. Um, and he's got an awful lot of years ahead of him as well. So he's, he's quite young. Um, you know, he they they were big in for Ronaldo, wasn't it? Until Ronaldo yeah. was like worried about what it would do to his legacy at United, and then I think fucking uh, it burst the tears. Yeah, Rio Ferdinand called him up and told him, "Yeah, mate, the fans will slate you if you see in the City jersey. Like, it'll ruin everything." Um, but uh. It's just weird. I, I just, yeah, I, I'd give them a C because they didn't need to do an, an awful lot and they haven't done anything really. Yeah, like, that's fair. They've just got pl- plenty. No, that's a, that's a fair one. That's that's fair. Um, and yeah, that's a transfer rundown. So again, uh, going by our kind of our standings here, Leicester are very much the uh, the winners of the, of the window, if you want to call it that. Um, and again, Newcastle and looking at you, you should do, do, do better. See us after class. Uh, I think it's fair to say. Or, you know, just spend some fucking money, whichever comes first. Um, but, yeah, so I suppose to sign off the show then, we'll, uh, we'll touch on all the other business. Um, Neil, the WSL started last, uh, last week, and it was all very exciting. Um, got a TV deal now. So, so now not only are women watching it, but the gammon are now forced to watch it as well. It's all very yeah. exciting. Absolutely. Forced to watch it being the operative term, yes. uh, by which they have a complete choice to do so and choose to do so. Um, yeah, not really good. Um, started off with a fantastic match between Arsenal and Chelsea, which was a fucking roller coaster. I really enjoyed that match. Really, fucking really fantastic good. match. Yeah. Started. I'm like any time any match that starts off with a fucking superb goal from me to me like that, where she mm. sends she sends Jess Carter into the fucking upside down, <laughs> uh, and then slots home, and it was great. It was proper fucking end to end shit. Loved it. Really, 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 really fucking good. Chelsea don't. I think they're gonna struggle this season. Um. They haven't addressed their fullback problem, and holy shit, it did it show. Um, against the best, they're gonna struggle. I'm like Chelsea, gonna, gonna steamroller like seventeen out of the twenty teams in the league. But yeah, against yeah. the best, against the best, they're gonna struggle. Um, and I'm really, really, really excited about what this Arsenal team are gonna do. What the, what this Arsenal team are doing? We seem to be yeah. firing every all of our new signings have clicked. Um, yeah, it's gonna be fast. Really fucking good. It's really, really fucking good. I, I, I have to say, even when I was watching, I was very complimentary about this Arsenal team because, like, with Montemoro, I think you could say he was very much guilty of overcooking it every now and then. Especially, he kind of had a touch of the Guardiola's in that, like, he'd overthink certain big games and they make very dumb tactical decisions based on, like, anticipating, like, a, a punch that never happens, you know. Whereas with um, with Jonas Eidvold, I want to say, get, get his name right? Eidvold. Eidvold. Eidvold, sorry. Um, he just played very simple, direct football that really suits Arsenal. Yeah, he because... just at them. He was just like the team yeah. just up for just getting at these motherfuckers, just get at these, get in their faces. But, um, 
in particular, yeah. when, you, when you see the Sparta Prague, when like, I was watching the Sparta Prague uh, Champions League mm. games as well, like Williamson's playing pretty much as a centre, as an attacking mid. She is so far fucking forward. <laughs> like, it's hilarious. Like, normally she plays more ridiculously advanced for a defender, but now she's like fucking, she's right up she's there. Got, she's, she's playing the Gary Doherty role, which is. Uh, oh, she is fucking up there. Like, and yeah. it's just, it's brilliant. Paris seems to have slotted in the attack really, really well. Just needs to kind of get the same wavelength as a couple of the other players. But now she's on it. She is fucking absolutely on it. It is brilliant. It is. And, and also, I'm, I'm, the, I'm very impressed with them um, with the. Uh, with Irabuchi, like because I know oh, you guys Iribuchi. watched Liverpool over, but yes. this is this is the first time me seeing Iribuchi. her. Like, yes, she's just great. Like she is like exactly as you said, she is exactly a Santa Cazorla type, and I fucking love. You, you have to love those kind of players, like you really do. Absolutely. Um, and also, but, then, bri- bri- but what the thing is is what these new signs have brought to the current squad members, like Mead has just gotten such a fire lit under her. She's like yeah. she's clearly playing for a position in this team now. She's like, holy fuck, look at the quality that they've brought in. If I don't. I could get the finger out. I'm on the bench, like, and I'm yeah. gone next season as well. Absolutely. Then, if I don't do this shit, because these girls are killing it, and fuck me, is me open absolutely just whopping it. Ah, oh, ridiculous, loving it, loving every single part of it. Yeah, and again, like, I love. My favorite thing about it was that, like, like, like look, we we know what we understand Chelsea's quality, and they were like, they did, they, they were perhaps missing one or two in that sense, but. Uh, I just found it so surprising that they were cut open so quickly in a sense. Like, I, I, we know McCabe was such a great fucking player. And, but like, I just found it so incredible that like, literally the route to goal so much, so many times was Zinsberger, McCabe, Medima, boom. It's like, it was just so simple in a sense. And you know what? Like, in a sense, like, I love the simplicity of the, of the way they play, but it's not the tactical part of it. It's the motivation. It's the aggression. It's the pressing. And, that pressing, that, that that bit of that little bit of smart pressing in a sense, where you don't necessarily have to chase after every ball, but you cut a passing lane, you prevent a ball going in, and just be really aggressive. Like I found it so I, I was amazed by how aggressive some of the some of the tackling was from Arsenal. Like it actually genuinely, I think it genuinely surprised Chelsea at times because Montemoro, they're, like they're, they're usually the ones putting the feet on us, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And to be out muscles, to be a Chelsea team out muscle was a bit of a shocker, like, you know. Um, and in the end, like, you know, the, you, you, held, you held out to win 3 2. But in that first half, like, Arsenal were all over Chelsea. Like, it could have been any scoreline. Um, and it wasn't for me then scoring those two, then it would have been uh, anything else. I suppose, like, I suppose looking at kind of the other pictures from the, from the opening, like, match day, the one that kind of catches my eye is Man City Everton. Um, again, yeah, I watched this one as well because Everton, Everton women, women have done some severely brilliant fucking transfer. Yeah, uh, they they pick up the players that no one else gets. Like, it's just it's just absolutely excellent what they were think, what they were saying. I was like, wow, they really did it great. They did the they did the business. They did the business early, got the players in. They did mm. weeks of training to get them all up to fucking scratch. And uh, they were up against City at the beginning. I was like, right, litmus test shit here. Let's yeah. see how you do. I had high hopes for it. Thank, I fucking didn't have to put money in this fucking team. I would have lost my shirt. They were fucking crushed by City. Oh. <sighs> I mean, somebody reminded me that I've, actually I was reading up about it. And it's like, it's been the most one-sided fixture in WSL history. 
So you've won all 10 games by an aggregate score of 26-4. Jesus. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's harsh, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that, that's pretty harsh. I mean, like, and also when you consider that City went into this quite weakened, they didn't have Roebuck, they didn't have Walsh, and they didn't, I mean, like, they didn't have bronze either. I mean, like, if you're losing Lucy bronze, you're going to be weaker. I don't give a fuck who you are. Um, also, Chloe Kelly didn't have her. So I was thinking, wow, Everton didn't have a shot. And I think Everton were thinking that as well. <laughs> and my because they fielded everybody. They had Christensen on, they had Duggan on, yeah. uh, Megan Fittigan. They had fucking fielded everybody. <laughs> I just I was sitting there going, holy shit. Um Yeah, I'm like they, they brought Govan on with like ten minutes left. Yeah. But they're about, about 10, 15 minutes, I think it was. Yeah, 10, 15 minutes. But um like Jesus Christ, they really need to step it up and mm. I'm like don't get me wrong, I think Everton will do well this year, but I think you know, the new signings were like, we're all like, yeah, 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 reality check. This is the like, <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what it was like. It's like, welcome to the bit. Oh, yeah, it's, it's back the way it came from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're up against a team where Ruby Mace didn't even get off the bench, lads. You know? Yeah, that's like, the thing. And they that's brought the Ellen White and George Stanway off the bench. Like, that's the ref- that's the reinforcements that you can call upon so like you yeah. gotta fucking up your game so um like sometimes like a kick in the arse is good for a team ah yeah like come here like it's it's still a, it's a long season and and as you put on improvement with man city like they can be quite mercurial they did they did get bumped out of the champions league by real madrid in midweek so yes they did know. yes yeah um Sorry. but again like i just everything defended really sloppily at point like it was just far too easy for City at times yeah um, the clubs invested big time like, they got three Swedish Olympic champions existing internationals there's no excuses for Everton anymore no uh, exactly yeah like, again like we as we were hearing from Burpal ad nauseum like they are kind of like the lock in for like fourth best of the rest in a way um, but much to the point like at which point do they actually start making this step up do they start actually becoming that top team that they're supposed to be uh, investing in so yeah, I see that point. Um, again, I, I will kind of end this point with kind of uh, probably going like, well, Jonathan, how are the Liverpool women doing? They're doing okay. Um, they lost the first game to Durham, um, which is a bit, they were, it was very much against the run of play in a sense. We were playing a better football, but we, I think it was a late, a late penalty we conceded and it just, we just couldn't get back from there. Um, but then we beat Watford 3 2, which, um, which, is, which is a lot better because we were actually 3 0 at half time. Um, and uh, yeah, just some some really good play from uh, from the girls there. Um, again, a lot has been kind of made about the kind of the new signings and how about how they're kind of fitting in in a sense. Uh, and again, the answer to that is kind of like they're they're getting there. You know, they're they're improving, is what I would say. Um, it's just a matter of like like the biggest thing for us in a sense is uh, Megan Campbell because she unfortunately has to go for surgery, so she's going to be missing the first bit of the campaign, which is a huge loss because like and. Um, because she was kind of one of the signs that caught her eye, but uh, Leanne Kern has been in since, and uh, and she's been doing quite well. Again, hasn't scored just yet, but she's kind of she's she's creating chances for other players, if you know what I mean. And um, Rihanna Dean has been kind of our our um, outward like backward like outward engine in that sense, and um, so that's been kind of the the way we've been kind of looking at. It. I think she scored like yeah, she scored two goals in that game against Watford, so she's been kind of the one to look for in that sense. But it's also been 
the team are just objectively playing better as well. Like the midfield like, now makes a lot more sense with the likes of Bo Kearns and Lolly and so forth. They're starting to kind of really click into gear. Again, it would do because Matt Beard is just a brilliant coach, you know. Um, but it's it's good to see that we are starting to make progress. Um, but it'd be interesting to see how the likes of I, I, I still need to see more from the likes of say Yana Daniels and Leanne Kernan and, and those types, just to see how they'll kind of like start clicking into gear because we, we still have players to come back into the squad, like 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 Furness and Megan Campbell when she does come in. Um it's gonna be a pretty serious outfit, but the championship is kind of full of serious outfits at the minute. So, you know, it, it's a really tough league and um, and we need to be on our best behaviour to, to kind of get out of it. So uh, more on that, hopefully over the next couple of weeks. Mm. Uh, in the meantime, though, again, there wasn't into lull, Neil, and it would be remiss of us as patriotic Irishmen that we are if we didn't moan about our national team on a podcast. So um, in case you missed it, in case you deliberately hit under a rock for the entire duration, well done. Um, we're really if proud you of it. If you did, we're not going to blame you. There is no, no. judgment here. No, there is no. You're firmly on the hiding rock. If, if anything, I kind of wish I hit under a rock. Yes, exactly. So, out of three games against Portugal, um, Azerbaijan, and Serbia, we uh, got two points out of that potential six. Um, but that doesn't tell the whole story, to be fair. Um, Portugal, we were outdone by two late goals from Cristiano Ronaldo and a referee so biased, I actually think he was a plant from Vince McMahon because it doesn't otherwise explain why he was that biased. Um, that and he was sucking the first out of Cristiano Ronaldo afterwards, but I suppose it is it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we followed up with, with two home draws, one against Azerbaijan, which we were very much a tedious game. And then Serbia would be kind of started like getting a bit braver and, and, and kind of sticking it up, putting them under pressure as it were. And then a comedic own goal saved our blushes and get, got us a point. Um, again, because it, like, it isn't happening every single time we do have an international break. And uh, it's of a particular interest to us as Irishmen to kind of look at the team kind of like going down the pecking order in Europe and so forth. Like it's been a long time coming. We can accept that. Um, but the, the fall isn't that great to look at in a sense. Um, especially, especially considering like, at least from my point of view, Neil, I don't know what your thoughts on it is that like these players don't kind of deserve, don't deserve this decline. It's just the situation they're in. And likewise with the coach, you know? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, like I think from the outside, from not a lot of observe, not a lot of proper Irish Ireland fans will actually kind of, or anybody watching coming in from the outside mm. actually realizes how bad a state Irish soccer was in like 10 yeah. years ago. It was a fucking terminal decline like trust me if we'd have kept on if we hadn't had the kenny overhaul revolution uh, like trust me this all would have been an awful lot worse like, yeah. this would have been horrible he's brought in young hungry players who want to play a particular style of football which is progressive and it's attacking and he's just getting in players now who fit the system rather than just hiring in like or rather than trying to poach in the best players that he can he's actually getting Who's the best players for the system I want to play? Mm. And it's mostly just going with you, youth. He's building a unit that will, in a couple of years' time, like, all right, then fine. Look, we're already out of this next World Cup. We're not qualifying. It's oh, not yeah, happening. no doubt. Yeah. Um, but he's building it for the next kind of cycle. Now, obviously, you can be disappointed. I mean, like, I think the one I'll draw, I would say one I'll lost to Azerbaijan because I've been calling it that all the time. I think, yeah, I mean, this is a squad of players that are good enough that they should be beating teams like that. 
But um, the Serbia result was very good, and the Portugal result would have been quite good if we'd had a proper referee. I mean, if um, we, we deserved a penalty when we were 1-0 up, um, mm. for an absolute beasting that, um, fucking, who, who was it? The Filipino, Filipino, fuck it. There was, we deserved a penalty. Yeah. And if we'd gone 2-0 up, we'd probably won that game. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but it's just, it's, this is, after years and years, decades of stagnation and rot, the clear-out needs to happen. And unfortunately, the clear-out's not pretty to watch. Mm. There are some shining lights. Um, Bazunu is just oh an incredible goalkeeper. Yeah. It's all, it was only one all because of him. He was mm. fucking brilliant. He was absolutely fucking brilliant. He's come in. There was an injury. He's in. He was brought in. And I genuinely think that he's installed like i think he's re- well in there randolph yeah, yeah. Like, randolph probably not getting under a cap i think our two main goalkeepers going forward will be bazunu and kelleher oh for sure like, it, it says so much about bazunu that he's keeping keller out of the team because yeah. kelleher is essentially liverpool's number two yeah and it's no, just so. it's just fantastic like yeah um he's just and then you go forward forward on my has been fucking incredible. He was a brilliant fucking. He was fantastic last yesterday. Again, similar um, story. He came in because of an injury and just he slid because of perfectly. <laughs> great. Like he's really, yeah. really fucking good. Um, I think those two players, particularly in Bazunu, like they've kept Kenny in a job. Uh mm. so yeah, it's just holy shit, like that's really fucking good. Like there are great little hot spots to look at like that. But like it's just it's just not going to be good. Um, Adam Ida is showing a lot of promise. Like yeah, he's getting there. there. He's getting there to his credit. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, it's just I think it, it's weird. It's it's kind of weird to have such a massive disparity. And like I'm like we know sometimes in football you don't always really get what you deserve. Da, 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 whatever shit. Yeah. Sometimes your performance don't fit the results. But to have a happened so much over such a prolonged period of time oh, yeah. it's just bad um it's, the it's, thing it's, is, it's also compounded by the fact that we well, clearly do have the worst strike force we've had for the last maybe 30 40 years mm. you know because like I, I, as you said like we have we've grown grown up with a strike force of robbie Keane, damien duff and uh, niall quinn and like those players were so heavily relied on for that time that there was never a desire to try and and find a a natural replacement for them. Like, who was the natural replacement for, for Robbie Keane? There was none. You know, Shane Long, maybe? But it, it never came to pass. He was never that same player. And and because, like, the, that, ne- that natural progression never happened, we're now trying to do that. And because we're basically trying... We're basically, like, starting from scratch with the likes of Ida and Connolly and them. Um, that's why we're not scoring goals, because they're not natural goal scorers with their, with their own clubs. Like, Aaron Connolly only seems to score goals when Spurs are playing, you know, <laughs> and Adam Ida doesn't get a nod for Norwich, you know. I think so, that's the main thing is that lots of our players don't really, the main thing will be turning it around at a club level for our players. Yes. Like obviously Bazunu is not going in as number one at City, but he's been loaned out twice already. I'm like, so that shows you where they see him. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if somebody doesn't try and poach him off City for like, maybe off, I'm like 20 million might be a stupid amount of money for a keeper like him at 19 who's never kicked the ball for them but he's clearly got the fucking talent like there was one pass that he pinged I think at the Matt Doherty 
So yeah. he takes the ball on the turn. He's like 10 yards out of his off his line. Mm. Takes the ball and then just pings of just a fucking pinpoint pass. 35, 35 40 yards. Darty. Like all Darty has to do is kill the momentum with the ball. He doesn't have to yeah. do anything else. And it's perfect. That was, you know, fuck me. Not when you look at his off the ball movement and positioning. He's always in a place where he can help people out. Yeah. He's not... Oh, I'll pass it out and then I'm running back to my line. I'm sticking on my six yard box. Like he's fantastic. Yeah. Like he's really he's a great modern goalkeeper in a sense where like he's, he's just as good as modern goalkeeper. And same with Kelleher. Kelleher is the exact same mold. Like these are these are lads who were like midfielders and defenders first before they were goalkeepers. And that mixed skill set is is what's making them so attractive in the market. Like you know, because again, I could I could well believe that in in two or three years time, Liverpool could sell on Kelleher for stupid money. And then he's a he's a first he's a first choice goalkeeper for a Premier League or a Championship sides. Same with Bazunu, you know. So like, like in that sense, like uh, the question we was kind of posing with this segment was that like, like I, like I've I've not liked the conversation about like where should the Irish team go next, as if to say like the Stephen Kenny project is failing. It's like well, it, like it's it's not a case of it succeeding or failing. It's just that it has to be done. We have to have some form of philosophy to the way we play, to the way to to the way we set up the FAI, because there hasn't been one for thirty years. The, F, the philosophy of the FAI has been literally to burn the entire budget on Irish football on cocaine and hookers. Yeah, and now the cocaine is gone, the hookers are gone, and the fat bastard who used all that money up is now going to Wembley and pretending to be a fucking British person. So, <laughs> like, it's like that. This is the thing. Like, so, like for um, for me, like I want. I'm ha- I would rather have an Irish team that like critically flawed but are actively trying to play good football rather than having fucking Sam Allardyce come in with his fucking pint of wine and th- and telling us paddies how to play football. You know, that kind of way. I want us to be trying to try and find an answer ourselves. Yeah, I, I like how Kenny is actually trusting the players to know what they can do. Yeah. And- go out there and do it. Like, it's fucking leagues ahead of fucking Trapatoni going out and doing press conferences telling us the players are shit. Yeah. I know you're shit. I think you're shit. And if I see anything on the pitch that makes me think that you don't think you're shit, you'll never play again. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, as it was put. Uh, so, I, I just... I think... I think Kenny's caught between a rock and a hard place and that he used to rebuild a team... Mm. Uh, has essentially not just rotted from the head down, it has been rotting from the head down for decades. Yeah. So he's got a severe rebuild. Now, I don't even think he minds the rebuild. He knows what he signed on for. But the problem is that football is a results-orientated business. Exactly, yeah. And it's unfortunate because over 40, I mean, like we've had four, we've played 14 games and not won one of them and lost some pretty awful ones. Yeah. You know, there's a limit to that if you get me. So like mm. people are on board with the kind of like, right. Losing two, one to Portugal, two goals from probably one of the greatest players that ever played the game. Greatest male players that ever played yeah. the game. Cool. Right. Not a lot of people are going to get their nose bent out of shape. The ref was a complete bastard as well. That's all right. Losing to look, losing to Luxembourg, drawing one all, losing one all to Azerbaijan at home. You know, people aren't going to accept that. Yeah. You know, the one all draw with Serbia, all right, Serbia might, might Serbia might fucking top this group. So, you know, okay then. People are like, all right, I'm fine. You know, I'll take it. Not happy. Well, yeah, yeah fuck it. You know, I'll, I'll take it. It's better than what the alternative could have been. Serbia were molesting us for fucking ages. Mm. But, uh, like, 
I think were it not for the Luxembourg and Azerbaijan losses, I think Kenny would be in a lot better of a position. Yes. And he is now. That's, that's my point. Like, he's stuck between needing to rebuild his team from the fucking cataclysm that it suffered, but also kind of going, well, you know, he, he, he's got a bang mob there going, yeah, well, you know what? We, st- like, we understand you're rebuilding shit, but, like, we don't want to see more shit. Like, yeah, it's always progression, and they're just like, well, sometimes that all, it doesn't always happen, you know? I just don't, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like it, you know? I, I, I don't like, I like where the team is going. It's just, it's a rocky road. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it's the sort of thing where, like, we, we won't feel the benefit this year and we probably won't feel it the next time we do the Euros. It's kind of one thing where, like, we'll see maybe in six years' time, it will be more like, oh, these are actually now more defined players. And not only that now, there are players that are now competing for them underneath them as well. That kind of way, like, as, as you said, like, we've, we've, in a sense, we've kind of missed two generations of international football, which is something that never happens to other countries, you know? Like, like, like Iceland and Finland are not flashing the pans in a sense. They have a actively like constructed system to generate footballers, and if they don't come, they don't come. But at least the infrastructure is there to make use of them if they if they are there. We have to start doing that now. And like in reality, it, it, the way thing is right, where like they'll try and build an infrastructure for the men's team, right, without the players there. And yet the women's team, the players are there, but there's no infrastructure. But at least that's starting to kind of like level out now. And it's it's actually kind of done in a more equal way because I think that, like, let's be fair, we all recognize the women's team because you beat the men's team hands down at this stage. Yes. So, you know, let, let's let, let's get our, let, let's start focusing on what we think is the best team at that point then, you know. But um, yeah, like, like I said, I'm, 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 I'm glad we kind of had that conversation because it ties in with my cod, Neil. <laughs> team has transitioned. Because we're going to stick with international football here, and I'm finally doing it. I don't know if I've done it in recently, but I'm finally going to talk about Gareth Southgate. <sighs> uh, because, uh, again, I may have mentioned him during the Euros because he was getting on my tits then, and Gareth Southgate is still continuing to get on my tits now. Um, so I had the very foolish idea over the uh, interlude to actually watch an England game. And the reason I did watch an England game was because our beautiful scouser, our beautiful scouser boy, Trent Alexander-Arnold, was playing in midfield, right? Now, this, is, this has been like this... Centre like, midfield as well, wasn't it? He was a centre midfield. Yes, as a number eight. So the, the midfield three was Henderson, Bellingham, and Trent Alexander-Arnold against Andorra, right? So, again, I, I wanted to watch this match because I, I was kind of like gleefully looking forward to the FIFA generation of football fans being proved wrong, that you can't just put the best, like... The, the best rated players into the best rated positions and it just doesn't click automatically. That you actually have to do some coaching and managing to make this shit work. And here's the thing. Trent Alexander-Arnold was awful in that Andorra game. He was put at the fucking pasture. Like, he was literally there to be proven. Oh, see, he's not good in central midfield. I can't use him at right back. What? <laughs> Why not? I was like, well, we, we have too many good right backs like Kyle Walker and Kieran Trippier. What about Reese James? Who? <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Like, Gareth Southgate really does annoy me as a football manager because, like, and this happens every time. Like, like England obviously have enough quality to, to get out of the groups easy at a canter, but they only beat Andorra 2 0. And I really do mean that in the sense where the squ- if you look at the team that went out there, 
That is a team that should be beating Andorra by a lot more than that. But the problem is that they are such a pedestrian, polite national team that like they don't even bother to try and like put like goals up anybody. They are so concerned and so obsessed with not with losing that they don't actively go out and try and win games. And that really annoys me about a national team like England, where like even the Roy Hodgson years, they would play 4-3-3, they'd bring on the most precocious players and they would like fucking steamroll teams. And that was great for the players, you know? And like, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of Jesse Lingard, for example, who like had a, a great game, like as an individual. But again, it was the same problem. It was a case like where you... Like you should, of course, you should be having a good team, good good match against these teams, you know, kind of way. But it was so frustrating from a from a Liverpool fans' point of view because, like, I get the feeling that Gareth Southgate doesn't understand the Liverpool team, like on a fundamental level. I don't think he gets why Klopp's Liverpool team actually works because I think he comes from a from a from a level of like football coaching where everything is so rigid and stiff and don't lose. Do not lose. Be so risk adverse and be safe and make sure you don't lose. Because if you do lose, then you get deported and treated as some sort of fucking like racist pariah, you know? And it's like, whereas like a lot of the top clubs are based on risk, you know, like Liverpool and Man City to a certain extent are about calculated risk. Bayern Munich and now the German team work on a basis of calculated risk where you'll commit players forward because statistically they're more likely to score than to concede and they'll work on that basis whereas like an england team are trying to win by not by do, by expending the least amount of energy you know they're trying to like like they'll have six players in defense and then trust kane to score all their goals and they'll put him on a pedestal then as a result and i'm just looking at that, looking at thinking like that team could be so much more, so much more than that, you know, like they, like, like I said about the Andorra game, like they, they were one nil until maybe the last, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And then Kane, Lingard, Saka, boom, four nil. Now it looks all great, but that really doesn't tell the performance because they literally put Trent in because it was a case of like, okay, fine. I'll play him. And he'll play at a position where his skill set is not used. You know, and what really like um, drives home this point for me about this cottishness, cottish behavior for Southgate was um, was actually Klopp talking today. And the line he used, and I, I love it because it's so beautiful. You can even tell that Klopp doesn't even like Southgate as a coach. He goes, why would you play the best right back in the world as a midfielder? And it's just like, it sounds like such a sassy, like asshole line that Klopp tends to do sometimes. But he's right. Because tactically, the right back or the fullback generally is the most powerful part of the pitch right now. It is, it is where the athletic players go to cross balls to giant fucking lummoxes in the box. You know, someone like maybe Harry Kane, for example, that you can now cross the ball to. No, no, that'd be just silly. That's silly behavior. But the fact that like that Klopp would ha- even have to explain like, no, like he is most effective at right back because of his skill set. You have to use him at his best. To the national team manager of the country you're in <laughs> is astounding behavior. You know, like it, it, it astounds me that like we were so close to having England winning a European competition, ba- literally based only because they were afraid to lose and they wanted to just have yeah, the most like seven defenders against Germany, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it's just like so fucking tedious. It's like, what is wrong with you? Just attack, try. And, th- and that's the thing. When they were in that match against Italy, this is why you don't lo- win things. Because when you actually were in a situation where you needed to chase a game and win the game, you couldn't. You you made three fucking teenagers take penalties and they and they all fumbled on the top on the biggest stage. And that's that is that is the failing of the manager. You can't blame that on the players. In the same way that you can't blame Trent Alexander Arnold for his performance against Andorra. He's played at a position, he doesn't know what to do because he can't use his skill set, he can't use his crossing, he can't use his runs. He's pigeonholed into a midfield where you're not told to fucking move. What do you want him to do? Like yeah, like positionally, positionally didn't actually know where to be either. I'm like, no. you contrasted with Bellingham, who always was in the right place at all the right times. So I'm like, exactly. But like, Bellingham is a number eight, that is yeah. his job at Dortmund. Yeah. He's know. betrayed from pretty much birth, as it looks. Exactly, uh, to yeah. be a fucking superb midfielder, and he is a superb midfielder. It's just, it's really weird. Like, all right, I'm fine. I, I mentioned because we were chatting about this before, and I think it's yeah. kind of like he looks at Scotland fielding two of the best left backs around at the same time and not getting any heat for it and actually really working with the team. But the problem is that with Scotland, it's a lot more of a measured response in that mm. he's got two fantastic right left backs in Robertson and Tierney, but they've also got good alternate positions. So Robertson's done the job, done a job for Liverpool for quite a while at wing back. Yeah. Um, and Tierney, Tierney's also been a wing back as well at Celtic, but also Tierney's mostly been used at the left side of a back three. So he's like, all right, then when I can't play, my only alternative is play one of you as a left back and leave the other guy on the bench, which would just be fucking stupid. No, of course not. I'll just field you in your alternate positions. So Robertson, you're the left wing back. Tierney, you're the left sided centre back. And the beauty of that is, that means that they can overlap to fuck on the left hand side. You don't need now to commit a person on the left. You can now exactly. bring someone to centre, which is what they do with Lyndon Dykes. Linda Dykes is a six foot three lummox who just stands in the box and waits for crosses. And you know what? He scores goals every fucking game, Gareth Southgate. Because he's got these two fucking wing wizards bombing crosses, like pinpoint crosses. That is fucking mallet. And you're just going, yes, that's great. Here's the thing about moving, like, if you want to, right, if you've you've got such a dearth of talent at right back, and you're thinking, right, well, I've got the best right back in the league, but for some reason, I don't want to play him as a right back. Try him at right mid. Uh, try him at right wing. Try him yeah. further up. I mean, just turn around to him and go, right. Defensive. I think the reason why is that because out of all of his right backs, defensively, he is the worst. Now, that's yeah. really splitting hairs because offensively, he's by a country mile the better one. But Southgate's not really interested in that. So, okay, then, right. If you don't like, he, if you lo- love the fact that he's an offensively dynamic player, but don't like the fact that he's not the best defensively, Share off the defensive part of them. Make him a right winger. They don't have a lot of right wingers or right sided mm. forward. Fuck it. Just turn around. Make him a right winger. Just say, here, look, you don't have the track back as far. And also, you'll be further up the pitch. There's more chance of you scoring goals or racking up assists for your country. Who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. Like, like, it's, it's not as if Alexander Arnold w- would disagree with that. He'd no. He'd fucking enjoy it. He'd probably really <laughs> love it. <laughs> but then he goes, all right, I'm going to redeploy you as a centre mid. It makes yeah. Oh, Santa. Like, it was ridiculous. And he just, he, he said after the match, he said, we just wanted to see something. It was a good game to look at. And I was like, why did you need to look at it? Like, experimentation isn't the only way humans learn things. 
you know we can extrapolate from existing data like i've never stuck my hand into a burning fucking fire but i don't need to do that to know oh i'm going to get born i'm gonna wind up with severe burns if i do this yeah. i can look i'm not fireproof fire hot i can put two and two together and come up with four you know you don't need to field alexander arnold as a center mid to know oh will he work or will he not no he won't work He's not a. He's never been. I mean, he stopped being a midfielder at youth level. Yeah, he was. He was. He was midfield. He was a number six for his youth's career, and then when he basically there was a point where he was switched tactically to right back, and almost like instantly you saw the real Trent Alexander Arnold, exactly. and then became into the first team. And you know who? And, and funny enough, the other person I could have said that about was Reese James, mm-hmm. he was also a number six at youth level. He got switched to right back, and he immediately got started getting games for Chelsea. Because that's what happens when you find when you play the players at their strengths, they perform better. But here's the thing: it became natural coach for the moment. Why not? Why? Why couldn't he? Like nobody, everybody could have told him that was not going to work. There was no need to put Alexander Arnold through a debilitating forty-five minutes, albeit against Andorra. But there's no way that helped him out. You know, just it just proved the point that you don't know what you're doing. That was the reality also, of it. Alexander Arnold does not want to be a midfielder. He wants to redefine the right back position, which he is every day yeah. at Liverpool. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I, I, again, I love the the fact that like, again, England play a back three. You're defensively covered. The reason you play a back three is so that you can get your width from your wing backs. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, why don't you use that? You know, so frustrating. Anyway, Neil, uh, speaking of frustrating, um, your cards, I think, is going to be a bit of a labour of love for you, I'm afraid. Ah, my, my card is Arsene Wenger. Oh, shit. Ridiculous proposal for a biennial World Cup. And I think the reason why I'm paying so much attention to this is that when you consider how the, some of the fucking ludicrous plans that FIFA have tried to pull out and have gotten to, 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 every chance this might get over the line. I'm like, Seferin's kicking up fuss, so you wait for my boycott this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's fucking ridiculous. Essentially, he's just going like, what was it? Here's the quote. We must recognize society is demanding more and more high stakes and emotional matches. Even Euro 2020, which was only two months ago, seems far away. I think the football public no longer want qualifiers that go on for a year and a half. They can be concentrated in four or five weeks. <laughs> no. No, no, <laughs> no one wants that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> this is fucking delusional. There's just no way this is going to work. This is going to kill the players. This will kill the players. Yeah. It will literally be never ending football. You know, I'm like, there was, there was a good one is that uh, in the same thing, uh, the same article there in the, uh, in the, uh, the Guardian by Sean Ingle saying that like essentially you'll have a World Cup and a European Championship every every summer alternating summers yeah. allowing us to gorge on footballing like in a gorge like Augustus Gloop all year round um you know it, it's just pure money you know I mean like it's and it's such a I mean like it's just one in a long line of fucking ridiculous FIFA ideas that have come out like at the 2018 World Cup which is probably mm-hmm. going to happen don't get me yeah. wrong. The thing is, is, is as probably we've lamented as Ireland fans, both these suggestions really help us. Out. Yeah, Ireland, could, Ireland could finally qualify regularly for major tournaments if these ridiculous fucking 
we we could be the one Europe team from Europe that decided to play. It's like actually no, we'll 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 defy the We'll do this. Yeah, we'll fucking do this. We'll, we'll play in Qatar. Fuck, why not? We're last holiday. Way. So basically, what he was saying, he's floated the idea of qualifying matches being played in October and perhaps March, with groups of four playing six games and the top two going through to a summer final. No. No. Just no. Stop it. Just yeah. no. Crazy. Sorry. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. So, it is. Uh, it's just, I, you're going to kill the players. They're already at breaking point because it's just, it's fucking stupid. Like, it's so crazy. I mean, it's weird that it comes from Wenger, who always used to complain about too many international games. <laughs> you know, like. As, as Aaron Dunphy used to say, you've jumped the fence, baby. You jumped the fence, baby, you know? And. Yeah. It's just, it's so crazy. Like, and there's just nobody backing this. Like, this is literally the dullest fucking idea around. Um, and there's, there's only one ple- there's only one organization this is going to benefit, which is FIFA. Isn't it funny how, like, not six months ago, the European Super League was being battled about by 12 delusional clubs and their billionaire owners? And literally everyone just goes, oh, that's disgusting. It's going against the spirit of football. You're just making it an exclusive club. And then FIFA goes around going, do you know what? Let's have the World Cup every year. I think we should ban. I think we should stop all Every two football. years and a Euro in between them. Yep. Yeah. I think we should move the World Cup to Mars. Um, I feel like the Martian football market has been untapped. I think we should bring it to Mars, then China, and then underwater. I think we need to get the fish back on the football, lads. Here we fucking go. Come on. You know, it's yeah. It, it, it's exactly it's exactly the level of delusion you expect from FIFA and every governing body. To be fair, and and the worst thing about it is that like, like you you would expect it from a bunch of suits who are looking at the accountant bill and going, "Ooh, we're FIFA. We could really do with some more money." It's like there was no feasibility study on this. There was barely no. any consultation. Um, the ECA and UEFA are due to meet in Geneva. The end of next week. Sometimes okay. due to me yeah. quite soon. So like expect this to dominate proceedings there. Like <laughs> with a massive stamp going, no. Yeah. I mean, like but see what's weird about this, right? Um, is that like Arabia, Saudi Arabia are in on this as well, because they're close in with Gianni Infantino, who who Infantino touted the biennial World Cup mm. initially. And uh Fuck me, like, you know. <laughs> is it perhaps a case of the Saudi Arabia wants a World Cup in their country because mm. Qatar has won in theirs? Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's so weird. Yeah. Like, the, the article goes on, it's like, the idea is really to, sorry, there's a statement from Menger, is, the idea is really to improve the quality of the game and the competitions. There is no financial intention behind it. Bullshit. And then the Bullshit. author, the author, Chai, Types in. If you believe that, I have a pile of thousand. I have a pile of thousand pound banknotes for you. This is about money and power, nothing else. FIFA yeah. is just trying to isolate Europe and weaken UEFA. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's just a. Um, it's a, and it's, it's just a long. It's a. It's a next in a long line of like pissing contests between two bunch of suits. And like, okay, granted, like, listen, like footballers are, are being paid like obscene amounts of money. That like in a in a world where like there is a rate lot of people in poverty, it's 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 not something to scoff at. But even then, like they're still actively human beings being treated as like entertainment. Exactly. Products. But the, pro- the problem is this has got a chance of going through. 
Yeah, right? and that's this isn't kicking, this isn't kicked up the flames like the Super League did. You know, I'm like, you're the furor of the Super League. It's actually still amazing to me to this day. Jesus Christ. But there's no, going to be no protests outside FIFA HQ. Nobody's going to be burning Gianni and Fantino effigies, even though they really should be. Uh, and even FIFA, even the biggest critics, even FIFA's biggest, biggest critics, think they've got the votes to get this through. Which is obscene. Like, who, who is voting for this? <laughs> who's, who's agreeing to this? How many votes does Saudi Arabia have? Yeah. You they, know? Like they, it's, it's got the money to buy them from everybody. You know? Yeah. I mean... Ludicrous! It's so ludicrous, and the, and the gas thing is like, like I like it's at that point as a football fan, like the reason why World Cups are special in the first place is that it doesn't happen every year. Yeah, you like every like I I remember working on a system where like oh you get the Olympics this year, oh you get the Euros this year, oh you get nothing this year, you actually get to spend time with your family. Okay, you hate them, fuck whatever. Okay, next year is gonna be good, but the World Cup is this year. Fucking brilliant. Are we in it? No. Fuck. Okay, let's support the Italians. Way. But like, like that's the way the World Cup works. There is no yeah. doubt. There's no doubt that football, world football in particular, needs a bit of an overhaul. The solution yeah, no is doubt. not. The solution is not doubling the amount of World Cups. Yeah. No, I hundred percent agree. Like that is never the solution to anything. Like mm-hmm. if something is critically flawed, you just don't do it twice. You know, <laughs> Arsenal. You know, like it's like it. It. it, it that, that's maybe that's why Wenger is suggesting it so much. That literally all, all he knows. It's like. It's, it's like it's literally the fucking Limmy uh, quote: "Don't back down, double down." Yeah. Don't yeah. back down, double down. <laughs> it's like oh, fucking hell, but um, but yeah, that's our that's our cards then um for this week, and uh, that is the uh, the end of our podcast, Neil. Um, a jumbo one as ever, but uh, again, this is a tied you over for two weeks, so uh, hopefully it, it lasts you that long. Uh, Neil, thank you very much for your company as ever. Um, I think we have enough hot takes there to, to last us the, the winter. So uh, thank you very much for that. Absolutely. And, uh, so with that then, guys, uh, thank you very much for listening to this uh, Liquid Football podcast. If you have enjoyed this and want to hear more from the dulcet notes of myself and Neil, mostly Neil, to be fair, he has a better voice, uh, <laughs> you can, uh, <laughs> you can uh, subscribe to us. The mic, man, the mic our... is fantastic. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let, 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 let's, let's go with that. Um, we'll... Uh, you can subscribe to us at Monday Madness LP uh, on our Spotify account. You can follow us there. We can listen to that, to more Liquid Football podcast and the Jelly Fidola podcast, uh, which is uh, where we rewatch old episodes of Pokemon and realize how problematic they were. Um, we also, um, you can also keep the track of everything we're doing uh, on our Twitter account at Monday Madness LP. Uh, and indeed, you can subscribe to us on, this, on the, the channel of the same name, where we are very close to 1,000 subscribers. Uh, most of them are bots, so if you are a real person listening to this, please subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. No, really, we would, because all I'm getting is sent bobs of Virginia. It's getting really distracting. Um, but apart from that, guys, thank you very much uh, for listening, and uh, we'll see you on the next podcast, because all of that was Liquid Football. Woo!